0: It is a Tuesday. Welcome in. How's everybody doing? Uh, we want to thank our friend Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour here, Steelman and Thune. And uh, welcome aboard the Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Thirty-four, thirty-nine. So the Sooners, uh, according to Joe Lenardi, they are part of the first four-out group with SMU, BYU, and Dayton today. And we figured after the loss to Iowa State, the blowout loss, to names over the weekend that Oklahoma would be uh, would probably be out in the Lenardi bracketology, and uh, they need – they need a minor miracle, Parker. They go to Tech tonight. They play 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Of course, the Sooners beat the Red Raiders by 15, really, for their best win of the year. That was the night that Mo Gibson went off with 30, made 8 of 11 from three-point range. You're going to need something special like that again tonight, Parker, for Oklahoma to somehow go
1: to Lubbock and pull out a win, which I think is very unlikely. Well, it's going to be tough, no question about it. And the thing about it is – I. I And I feel like I've rehashed this over the last couple weeks. I don't know that I would classify it as a minor miracle that Oklahoma needs unless you want to categorize going and winning at Bramlage Coliseum for the first time since 2012 a minor miracle. But look, to me, the fact that Oklahoma is barely on the wrong side of the bubble today, first four out, speaks to how close this team is to being in the field of 68 if they win their final three games. They can lose tonight. Sit at 14 and 14 on the year, be a 500 team, and as long as they close with three straight victories, I think they're in the tournament. And I think a win in the Big 12 tournament solidifies that. 7-11 and 11 is what you're looking
0: at because, again, it's very unlikely that the Sooners go to Lubbock tonight and get that win against uh, that Mark Adams ball club that's playing really well right now. They're number nine in the country. They just uh, went to Austin and beat Texas again, so they're playing excellent basketball. And again, the Sooners played their best game of the year, I think, in their win over Tech when they won by 15 uh, not long ago. Here's the deal, and I agree with what you're saying. I think you need to win. You've got to win. I mean, if you don't win your last three games of the season, somehow now, let's say you pulled a miracle in Lubbock tonight uh, and you went out. Then I think you're no question you are 100% in. But, uh, again, we know that the Sooners have to play out of their minds to get this W tonight. Okay, so if you beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia at home and then you go to Bramlage and win, you do get three wins. You get to 7-11. But how many of those would be considered a
1: quality victory? Well, uh, I don't know exactly how it all shakes out in terms of quad one versus quad two. I don't know the metrics on that, but I do know Kansas state uh, is on the verge of being a tournament team as well. And so that's at the very least and Oklahoma state, I guess technically they're 13 and 14. So they're on the wrong side of 500 after the overtime loss last night to Baylor, West Virginia is kind of in middling territory as well. But I think realistically, those should all be quad one wins by definition. I think don't quote me on that. Um, Now, if they go to Lubbock tonight and win, as improbable as that may be against a Red Raiders team that has been really good all season and very consistent with the exception of the game that they lost by 15 to the Sooners at the Lloyd Noble Center, then that gives you a little bit of breathing room. Then I don't think you have to win at Bramlage on the final uh, final day of the regular season if you're the Sooners. That gives you the ability to play a little bit more relaxed and not feel like you have to win out in order to win the tournament. It's also a phenomenal quality win and a season sweep right, over yeah. a top 15 opponent. Yeah. So that, that would be huge for Oklahoma's resume. As long as the wheels don't fall off down the stretch, they could put themselves in a really, really solid position to secure a tournament berth with a win tonight. But even if they don't win tonight... I think they're still in good shape the rest of the way if they take care of business against Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Kansas State.
0: If you win three of four, and one of those wins is Texas Tech, then I think you're definitely in. If you win uh, the last three, I think you've got a, a a good shot of getting in because of the strength of the conference. It's not a guarantee, but I think, again, let's say you win in Lubbock, and you beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia, and you lose at Bramlage, but you've beaten Tech twice uh, based on who the Sooners have beaten this year, and the strength of the league, I think they would probably get in. Uh, I would feel pretty good about it uh, if that happened. Now, keep in mind, Oklahoma, Elijah Harkless, out for the year. Porter Moser, in his meeting with the media yesterday, talked about just how strange that whole deal was. Really, the Elijah Harkless injury kind of came out of nowhere.
2: Did something happen immediately? Did we know it? I mean, not at all. He didn't even know it. He didn't say anything until like he said something after the game that he felt some discomfort to Rob. But like he didn't say anything to anybody during the course of the game. We had no it wasn't like you saw him go down and hold his knee like we didn't know anything. Um, It wasn't until the next day I was told, yep, EJ came in. We're just going to give an x-ray. Then those were told those were negative. And then the next day we said, oh, we're going to do just a precautionary MRI. And then they did it. And that's when they so it wasn't any one thing. Um, The second part of your question was.
0: The second part of the question was, what does that mean for Oklahoma at Tech tonight? It means, again, uh, without one of your better defensive players and the fact that, you know, uh, Porter Moser has talked about one of the things they miss the most is the ability to switch and switch and feel comfortable about that because Elijah Harkless is so good at doing that defensively. And now they don't have that luxury that they've had uh, you know, all year, and uh, that's that's problematic, obviously, for the Sooners going into this matchup tonight. Now they would love to have uh, Mo Harkless tonight. Uh, Porter Moser, you know, uh, it was interesting that Harkless said he wants to come back next year. Sooner fans have to feel good about that. But Porter Moser, yeah, he loves hearing that, but right now he's locked in on the rest of the year.
2: I'm so wrapped up right now. Um, I told somebody before. I said we got we got. You know, sometimes you gotta go through his rain to get to the rainbow. We got we got we got we got some ball left to play. We're we're not counted out right now. And uh, we we got some games left. We got four regular season games, the Big 12 tournament. Um so I, I don't want anybody to think to count us out because we're not counting ourselves out. And that's all my focus is on is this year.
0: There you go. So uh, they're fighting, scratching, and clawing, and again, I think they played hard. Uh, they have been overmatched talent-wise in a lot of these games. But, again, the one thing you can't fault for this Sooner team, and I'm not trying to say that Oklahoma doesn't have any basketball players. They've got some decent players, good players on this roster. They just don't have a great go-to guy or another guy. You know, if one guy, if the leading guy is off a little bit, the other guy is going to step up. They need somebody to have a spectacular game. What happened, Parker, in the last Tech game? Bo Gibson went, absolutely went Steph Curry on, uh, on the Red Raiders in that matchup. Uh, 8 of 11 from three-point range. So we'll see what happens in this matchup tonight. Uh, we've got Bedlam coming up on Saturday, 11 a.m. By the way, that's a CBS game. Tonight, uh, you'll have to go to ESPN Plus, 7 o'clock tip for the Sooners and the Red Raiders. As Parker mentioned, uh, Baylor, the number 10 team in the country, uh, beat Oklahoma State in overtime last night at Gallagher-Iba. Adam Flagler with 29. And Musa Sise had a heck of a game for Oklahoma State, except at the free-throw line, 12 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 blocks. Oklahoma State was up 7 at the half uh, built on that little lead, uh, lead a little bit in the second half, of Baylor stormed back and won the game 66
1: 64. Was the final so air comfort solutions? Text line is not optimistic about this team, Mike. One okay. listener says, You guys are complete idiots if you think OU is going to go three and one in these last four games. Another listener says, I like your football info, but does iHeart allow crack smoking in the studio? <laughs> Sooners are not going to the tournament without Harkless, they're done.
0: I would uh, never smoked any crack, never have any interest in that. Uh, promise you, Dad. Uh, will I plead to being an idiot some of the time? Absolutely, I will. Look, if you ask me if I think Oklahoma's going to make the tournament, I'm going to sit here and tell you no, I don't. I, absolutely, I don't. And I think even... Uh, When we got that news, when Harkless uh, was ruled out for the rest of the season, I think a lot of Sooner fans, even the most optimistic ones, thought, well, that's probably, you know, that's the last straw for Oklahoma. All we're talking about is the path to get there. We're not saying we think they're going to get this done. I would say uh, the Sooners would probably lose tonight. I I would say 2-2, actually. And, uh, you know, there's no guarantee they win both those home games. Now, Oklahoma State beat them once earlier. Uh, West Virginia is not having a great year. But you can't automatically assume what have the Sooners lost, five home games this year, something like that. So, yeah, we're just trying to carve out a path how you get there. If you're going to get
1: there, that's what we're talking about. Also, let me just put this out there as well. The winner of the Big 12 tournament gets the automatic bid. And the Big 12 tournament is going to be anybody's game. I mean, you saw Georgetown win their conference tournament last year with a losing record and end up going to the tournament. So, it is not out of question, especially in a competitive league like the Big 12, for a team like Oklahoma to make a run and earn the automatic bid. Am I projecting that that will happen? No, absolutely not. Would I sit here and say, I'm confident Oklahoma's going to make the tournament? Also, no, absolutely not. But, the path to get there, to me, in my mind, is very, very simple. You win your final three games, you win one game in the Big 12 tournament. If you do that, I think you're in the field. To me, the Razor's edge is loss number 16. The second that number goes from 15 to 16 in the loss column, I think that is where your hopes and dreams of playing in March Madness end.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't think the Sooners could win the Big 12 tournament because they're not deep enough, particularly without Harkless. Could they go on a run and maybe get, uh, you know, could they win a couple games in, in Kansas City? Yes, but I, I still think that would be extremely unlikely. So, again, we are talking about scenarios where the Sooners can win their way into the tournament, and all of those are uh, very difficult at this point. There's no doubt about it. How about Brady Manick last night? North Carolina now one of the last four buys, according to Joe Brady had 17 points uh, last night. Carolina beat Louisville at home at the Dean Dome, 70-63. Brady this year averaging 14 points and six boards for the Tar Heels, shooting 38% from three. So uh, you have the Sooners in Tech tonight, seven o'clock on ESPN Plus. You also have another game in the Big 12, Kansas State at Kansas tonight on regular ESPN. Jayhawks up to number five in the country and uh, hosting the Wildcats tonight. All right, we have Brandon Rabar to talk a little uh, Thunder basketball. He'll tell us what he thinks uh, LeBron was trying to say when he praised Josh Giddy and uh, Sam Presti talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll get into that coming up at 1235. OKC next in action against Phoenix uh, Thursday night at 7 o'clock. The Suns got the bad news on Chris Paul out six to eight weeks with that thumb injury, but Phoenix still best record in the league. They'll be in Oklahoma City 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. A tainted season, perhaps, for the Sooner basketball team, but they're still alive, at least for the time being. They're on life support, but they're still here. Oh, I love this song, a little soft sell. All right, when we get back, Jaden Hazelwood, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? We'll get into that when we get back. Uh, What a great movie. What a great song. Still, my favorite uh, John Hughes movie. You've seen that movie, right? Breakfast Club? I haven't. Really? Oh, I think you'd like it, Parker. I know you reach back and you go a ways back with your uh, musical repertoire, but I think you would enjoy uh, The Breakfast Club. If you've been to high school, and I know you have, then you can relate. I'm just saying. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us here on this Tuesday edition. I am the Man of Steel, one of America's most highly decorated and awarded regional radio stars, as far as you know, along with the five-star recruit just out of the Oklahoma Journalism School, the one, the only, Parker Thune. It is Steel Man and Thune at noon, here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. So uh, what in the wide, wide world of sports is... Jaden Hazelwood talking about when he took to social media and said uh, basically that never understood how the OU fans call me soft when I literally joined the hardest conference in football, double laugh emoji, and the toughest side, to be honest, in the SEC. Sorry, not sorry. What? I, 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 I mean, I looked at that and I'm like, Were there any OU fans out there who, I mean, there probably were a couple because everybody's still, you know what, Hurt, about, you know, Mule Sue moving on and everything and people leaving. And, look, Jaden Hazelwood was the number one high school wide receiver uh, recruit in the country when it came to Oklahoma. And did he live up to his five-star status? No. But it certainly wasn't his fault. He had a lot of injury issues, and I think there were other issues involved. I think he's a good player, and I wish him well. But I didn't see many Sooner
1: fans hating on him when he left. No, and I, I'm pretty sure I said it at the time, Mike. It was one of those things where you definitely understood it. Because the reality was, with his situation, he just needed a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. It was nothing wrong with him, nothing wrong with his with the Re- University of Oklahoma or the relationship there. It's just, at a certain point, it behooves a guy to look for a different fit. And that's the situation that Jaden Hazelwood found himself in. And... To me, I – look, I understand everybody has haters on Twitter, right? I have haters on Twitter, Mike. You have haters called, on we, Twitter. We just got called uh, idiots and then we were smoking crack in the first segment. Exactly. It happened. So I think – Sure, were there probably six or seven people on Twitter dissing Jaden Hazelwood and saying, You're a traitor. Yeah, for way to go. It.
0: You Riley fourth, ran off and so did you. you know, fourth that kind of
1: generation sooner, and you don't even want to finish your career here. But the vast majority of people at the time that Hazelwood transferred Mike, they were all pissed at Mule Shoe. Yeah, absolutely. He hit the transfer portal the day after. Well, no, it was a couple days after. But he hit the transfer portal pretty immediately after the Bedlam game. And at that point. All anyone wanted to do, Mike, was complain about the way that Shoe left yeah, and throw absolutely. shade at Muleshoe. That was the only thing we talked about on the show for an entire week thereafter.
0: All right, so, and the people, obviously, Shoe got uh, the brunt, as he should because of the way he left and lied about it, uh, you know, got the brunt of the hate. Clark Stroud got a bunch. Uh, Dennis Simmons got some. Roy Manning got a lot because of the double recruiting accusations uh, in terms of players. Caleb Williams probably got the most, and he was a beloved Sooner while he was here. And I still think most people understand that, uh, you know, that he was probably going to reunite with uh, Mule Shoe out in L.A. But, you know, some people were still upset with that decision. But in terms of players leaving, I don't think any – and Caleb got some because he's Caleb Williams. He's got such a high ceiling and so much uh, potential to be a great college quarterback. But other than that, uh, like I said, for Jaden Hazelwood, I didn't see anything. Nothing. No. So, I don't know. Why why would he tweet something like that? Is that just for attention or – I don't know. You know, there are a lot of people who just put BS out there because even if it's maybe, you know, facetious or maybe it's just not factual because they want that attention.
1: One of my good friends texted me earlier today and linked the tweet where Jaden Hazelwood was uh, saying, you know, all you fans called me soft when I literally joined the hardest conference in football. And my buddy said, This guy attended the Bryce Young School of Creating Imaginary Chips on his shoulder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's pretty
0: good. Pretty good. Uh, It is unusual. All right, so I got an interesting uh, question on Twitter last night from OUT Rex. I wonder if he works, uh, you know, like... uh you know, looking for fossils and stuff. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Paleontologist, who knows? But he asked, Steely, are you guys certain that Jerry Schmidt is going to be able to get these guys in shape like he was accustomed to doing when he was at Oklahoma earlier? And what he's talking about is time with the players He's talking about you know we we live in you know I we have a softer society now again a lot some of that is good because we actually care about people and groups and we don't uh, you know discriminate as much as we used to where there's still way too much of that but there are a lot of things that are better about society but in terms of uh, are we softer overall yeah yeah in some ways we are. So, I don't know. Can Jerry Schmidt of 2000 be uh, the same Jerry Schmidt in 2022? Uh, All I know is he's going to work them absolutely as hard as he can within the rules and uh, pushing those guys to be their very best. Roy Williams on the uh, podcast on the Prairie told Braden Willis and Jeremiah Hall recently that uh, these guys are going to find out that Schmidt's workouts will pay off in the long run.
3: My guys in the locker room, my teammates, became young men to men, in those winter workouts, um, um summer workouts, all that, like, I mean, is gonna get you guys, right? Like, there's a, me- I'll say this, there's a method to his madness, okay? I don't know how extreme he's gonna be with you guys compared to when I was there, right. but you know, we used to think, like, dude, why wow, Schmidty is killing us, but I promise you, come game time, dude, we would finish a game, blowing somebody out, or have a a close game and i literally felt like i can go another game Mm -hmm. like i would go in for after the end of the game and i was like dude i'm ready to go again like that's just how we felt and injuries are going to go way down because we're going to be so well conditioned i mean like y'all gonna be right like i I kid y'all not y'all gonna be right
0: there you go what do you think about that question parker about uh you know the uh, earlier schmitty uh, workouts and the latter day schmitty workouts how they'll compare and what that means for OU. well let's just hope schmitty hasn't gotten soft in
1: his old age and, right Which, uh,
0: jerry schmidt <laughs> there's no soft with jerry it schmidt it doesn't it
1: doesn't seem like it from everything we've heard thus far and uh, just what we've been told in the public eye from coaches you know the fact that 2 weeks into the uh into the spring semester, Jeff Lebby got in the Zoom and said, yeah, Caden Helms, he's already gained seven pounds under Schmidt. It's those types of case studies that make you uh, really imagine. It, it, it just gets your mental gears churning as to what kind of impact Jerry Schmidt and how immediate of an impact he's actually going to have on this football team because there's a reason why he garners so much buzz, right? There's a reason why we're talking about the strength coach on the air, Mike. A year ago at this time, I promise you we wouldn't have been talking about Benny Wiley. But the reality is when you get a true game changer, the likes of Jerry Schmidt, it's those types of advantages that begin to sow seeds where whereby your football program can reap rewards later down the line. And so I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I think particularly when you hear from an authoritative source like a Roy Williams saying, hey, this is legitimately something that all of you should take seriously and believe is going to help you, then that leads me to believe that Oklahoma football is going to be much more physically competitive in the year 2022 than they were in 2021. They're going to be able to hold up better at the point of attack. They're going to be more durable. Like you heard Roy Williams saying, injuries aren't going to be as much of an issue. It's those types of things where that can be the razor's edge between 11 wins And a bowl victory and 13-14 wins in a college football playoff appearance. And the video that was uh, tweeted out by
0: OU recently where Brent's talking about not good enough, you know, everybody in the country is working hard right now. You've got to go extra. And Brent, man, you've seen him on the sidelines at OU. You saw him on the sidelines with Dabo at Clemson. You've seen uh, some of the videos since it's been tweeted out uh, recently where he's addressing the team. This dude, is uh, he came back full of the spirit, but he didn't come back, uh, you know, with any extra softness. I don't think Brent Venables is soft either, and he's going to push these guys. It's like anything else. If you go through something so difficult where you're like, man, I can't believe we survived that, uh, you never feel like there's a situation that you can't handle. In in, in any job situation, too, like in radio, man, I've been through every disaster I could possibly be through in radio. So there's nothing that I haven't uh, come across that I, didn't, I haven't had to deal with at some point. And part of that's being in radio and in uh, media for so long. But, you know, it, it, I've, I've handled just about every disaster. I've handled some better than others. But when it comes along the next time, you're prepared for it and you're ready to go. So, hopefully, uh, that'll be the situation with Jerry Schmidt working these guys out at OU. I think Sooner fans are very excited to have him back because – They feel like they're going to be a much tougher, much more physical football team than they have been recently, and that's been missing to a certain extent with the team as a whole. Certain players have been tougher than others. That's going to happen on any team, but I think the entire roster uh, will be better off having Jerry Schmidt back. All right, we're going to break right here. Thank you to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They have done work for us at Chase Stadium, and they've done it very professionally and at a great price. They can help you with heating and air conditioning. any Anything you need worked on, they'll do it and do it right. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. When we get back, Brandon Rabar talking thunder. What was LeBron talking about praising Josh Giddey, Sam Presti and OKC? Does that mean anything at all? We'll get that answer and more when we get back here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans, on your Tuesday. Okay, everybody, how's your Tuesday going? Thank you for being with us. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steelman, and Thune at noon here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network for your Tuesday. How about a little OU baseball on Sports Talk 1400? Uh, they moved the uh, start time up to 2.30. The Sooners and the Wichita State Shockers playing at Eldale Mitchell today. That will be available to you again, uh, Sports Talk 1400. All right, Brandon Robard joins us, our friend, our uh, our Thunder reporter from DailyThunder.com. And, Brandon, uh, I want to play this clip from LeBron James and uh, ask you about it. This was LeBron in Cleveland over the weekend at All-Star Weekend. He was asked to comment on uh, what he thinks about Josh Giddys game, and he, he talked about the Australian rookie for Oklahoma City, and then he also uh, got into praising Sam Presti.
4: He's, uh, he's really, really, really good. Um, he has a, a great pace about the game, um, great vision. Um, I've always loved uh, pass first guards um, who can see plays happen before they happen. And, um, you know, Josh is one of those kids who can definitely see the game um, a lot quicker than a lot of guys out on the floor. And he's shown, I think he got like three straight triple doubles. You know, he's just been playing uh, beautiful basketball. Um, but, the MVP over there is Sam Preston. He the MVP. I mean, Josh Giddy is great. But Sam Preston, I don't understand this guy's eye for talent. He drafted KD, Russ, Jeff Green, Sergi Bacher, Reggie Jackson, um, Josh Giddy, And the list goes on and on and on. This guy's pretty damn good.
0: All right, so Brandon, uh, you know, some people take that as, man, LeBron wants to come to Oklahoma City and play with Bronny to uh, to end his career, and he's giving a shout-out to Sam Presti. Uh, so what do you think of that? Maybe he's just praising those guys because he was asked a question, or maybe maybe he's sending a message to Genie Buss that, you know what, maybe maybe we should uh, look at replacing uh, Rob Palenka as the GM here. What do you think LeBron was trying to say there, if anything, in that clip?
5: Yeah. First off, I think what LeBron was saying was just facts. I mean, I, I think that everything he said was true, and I think that you know we here in Oklahoma City, whether you're media, whether you're fans, uh, you can appreciate how great Josh Giddey's been. He does as his GM. Now that said, a lot of people, you know, are kind of reading between the lines here, and it does seem like maybe. It's a purposeful thing that it's not a coincidence that right after a trade deadline in which LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook need some help. Uh, you know, they need some guys who can defend around them. They need some guys who can shoot around them. The Lakers didn't make any moves whatsoever. So is it a, a little jab at Rob Polinka? Maybe. It, it definitely could be a subtle little jab at Rob Palenka. Uh, You know, maybe it puts a little pressure on the Lakers this offseason season to make some moves. Uh, As far as Bronny goes, you know, he's going to go straight up wherever LeBron James Jr. gets drafted, wherever Bronny goes. And and he comes out, I'm just going to say it, Mike, in 2024, that draft class. And the Thunder just so happened to have four first-round picks and three second-round picks that draft. So, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying –
1: all right, Brandon, I got to ask you. I saw the question circulating on social media yesterday, so I'll throw it at you. Who is on your Thunder Mount Rushmore? If you had to pick four figures over the brief history of OKC Thunder basketball, who are you putting on the Mount Rushmore?
5: Yeah, I think this is a, a really good question. And for me, it's actually pretty simple. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, no questions asked. Number one slot, easy. Uh, I actually, speaking of Sam Presti, you know, it's to me it's not just players. You know, it's kind of like if I were going to do a Dallas Cowboys one, I'd put Tom Landry on there. You know, he wasn't a player. Uh, i got to put Sam Presti on there. He's the Thunder's greatest asset. He has been since the very beginning. So Westbrook, Presti, and then people aren't going to want to hear it, but you got to put Kevin Durant. I mean, the Thunder's first era of basketball, all that success uh, was due to KD and Russell Westbrook, you know. Hopefully time heals all wounds and eventually things get, you know, better between KD and the Thunder and the fans. But those three, and then you got to put in Mr. Thunder and Nick Collison, uh, his loyalty and sticking around and what he means to the community. So Westbrook, KD, Presty, and Collison. And, and maybe down the line Collison gets replaced by the next era's, you know, best player.
0: Oh, yeah, clearly Poku down the road, no doubt. Uh, it'll, right. be, it'll be Poku. No, <laughs> SGA or Josh Giddy or somebody, I, I think that's a good uh, Mount Rushmore there. And, there, look, there is no doubt you 100,000% have to put Kevin Durant on the Mount Rushmore for Oklahoma City. I mean, you, you just can't leave him off. All right, uh, what do you think all about all the buzz about, you know, some people trying to say that Russ shouldn't have been one of the top 75 players in NBA history. We've got the 75th anniversary, obviously, of the NBA, and that was uh, talked about quite a bit. They released the list, of course, uh, in uh, uh, right there with All-Star Weekend, and there's some people, Russ, come on, he can't be top 75. I mean, th- you're talking about, people are thinking about Russ right now, not what Russ has been, and he clearly deserves to be on that list, too.
5: Yeah, I've seen it. It's just absolute i mean russ is a cinch indisputable i mean look he's got one mvp he made it to the finals four western conference finals 11 playoff series nine all-stars nine all-nbas two scoring titles three assist titles four seasons averaging a triple double he's the all-time triple double leader most triple doubles in a season I and mean, this is without question a top 75 player uh, it's you're exactly right. It's recency bias. It's knee-jerk reactions. They see some clips on, on YouTube or on Twitter of him, you know, airballing shots or badly missing bank shots and, and putting, you know, all the blame for the Lakers season on him. He's 33 years old, first of all. And second of all, there's plenty of Lakers blame to go around. It's not all on Russ. If you look at his numbers this year, they're actually just fine, line up fairly well with his career averages. So he's just kind of been the scapegoat. He's absolutely, easily a top 75 player of all time. No question.
1: Brandon, I want to ask you this. Obviously, All-Star Weekend has come and passed. What do you think the NBA needs to do to make All-Star Weekend big again, the way that it was 15, 20 years ago? Because I know for people like me, and I'm not a diehard basketball fan, I'm more of a casual, but you know, for people like me, the All-Star Weekend used to be an event. It used to be much must-watch must watch TV all weekend, from the slam-dunk contest to the shootout to the game itself. How do you recapture that magic if you're NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, and how do you format All-Star Weekend to drive public interest once again?
5: No, it's a great question, it's, and it's a problem for the NBA because, like you said, you know, it doesn't have the same interest that it used to. It used to be a huge spectacle. It's still a big deal, but not like it was. I think the biggest thing by far is, to try to do whatever you can to incentivize the stars to compete in these events. You know, when you're watching a dunk contest, first of all, you don't want to see a guy attempt dunk like nine times and miss it uh, before he hits it. But the other thing is you want to see stars do it. You know, back in the day, you saw Michael Jordan, and Dominique Wilkins battling it out. You saw Vince Carter. You saw Dwight Howard. I mean, these, these were stars going at it. Even Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were, were fairly well-known Kobe, do- Kobe,
0: Dr. J, too.
5: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. So now you got guys like, you know, Jalen Green. you got, you got role players now. You know, Cole Anthony. Nobody knows these guys, especially like you said, Parker, if you're kind of more of a casual fan. You're watching it for stars. It's all star weekend. Nobody wants to see just good dunkers who aren't stars. And the same, I would say, goes for the three-point contest. They do a better job of getting stars than the three-point contest. But even then, you know, you can replace the Luke Kennards of the world with more Steph Currys and things like that. Make sure the stars are uh, competing in all these events, I think, is the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, and in uh, Julia serving, I think Dr. J, we were talking about an ABA All-Star game, but you've got to have star power more of it, no doubt, uh, particularly in the slam dunk. And it's almost as if if we're not going to have the stars in the slam dunk, maybe you need to find another event because it's uh, it feels like just about everything's been done. Okay, uh, Brandon, right before we let you go, one last quick thought. Uh, Chris Paul still searching for a ring. The Suns have the best record in the NBA. They'll be in Oklahoma City at Paycom Center to take on uh, the Thunder. Thursday night, and now the Suns find out Chris Paul has a thumb injury that's going to keep him out six to eight weeks. Now, again, that means he could be back, again, would be back uh, for the early round of the playoffs, but, man, it almost feels like CP3, what does he have to do to get that ring, you know?
5: Yeah, I feel so bad for him. I think that, you know, every Thunder fan you know, kind of changed their opinion of Chris Paul the year that he was here. Uh, You know, he showed such class and high character on and off the court, and I think everybody's kind of rooting for him. Uh, It's such a huge bummer. The good thing, though, Mike, is they've built such a huge cushion. They've been so much better than every team this season that even without Chris Paul, as long as they can kind of tread water uh, this last stretch of games, they should still be the number one seed. That's how good they've been. And if Chris Paul does come back healthy for the playoffs, they should be fine. Let's just hope that that injury doesn't linger into the playoffs or that he's not 100% when he comes back.
0: No doubt. Brandon, we appreciate you coming on with us. Good stuff, as always. We'll talk to you again soon.
5: Absolutely. You guys take it easy.
0: Brandon dot DailyThunder.com, Oklahoma City and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, The stretch run begins for Oklahoma City. Again, fourth-worst record in the league. Keep losing and uh, competitively losing. Competitive tanking, that's what it's all about for Oklahoma City the rest of the way. 7 o'clock Thursday, OKC in the Phoenix Suns. No CP3 again out without injury, thumb injury, six to eight weeks. Break time right here. We will hear from the Queen, Patty Gasso, when we get back right here on The Ref. Uh, there's only one uh, queen of Norman, and uh, that would be Patty Gasso, No doubt about it. She might end up, she might already be the greatest coach in the history of University of Oklahoma Athletics. I mean, uh, she's going to stack a few more national championships on that resume. It could be this year. They're the favorite to win it, and the Oklahoma softball team gets ready to go to the Mary Nutter Classic. Uh, they are leaving early. They start playing on Friday. They have an early game with Cal State Fullerton. Well, a 2.30 game Friday afternoon. They play Long Beach State after that on Friday. On Saturday, some interesting competition. Arizona and Tennessee on Saturday, and then a Sunday game with Utah. Uh, when? Will Jocelyn Allo get the record-breaking home run? She tied Lauren Chamberlain's all-time NCAA record at 95 with that shot in Houston on Sunday morning, and I would say there's a really good chance that happens on Friday. Patty Gasso on with uh, Chris Plank on the Plank Show this morning. Uh, knows it didn't take too long for Jocelyn to get to the record.
6: I was a little bit concerned about her just putting really unnecessary pressure on herself and First weekend, I felt that, and I'm like, oh, man, here we go. We're going to, you know, it's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I just keep telling her, like, "Just, it's happening, so just chill. I didn't expect her to go off the way she did in Houston, and it was um, quite a sight to see. So we weren't quite ready, and I'm telling our group, like, hey, get, get the pro the GoPro ready and the dugout, let's this could be happening and uh, you know, we just weren't expecting it to happen like that. I mean, she went boom, boom, boom. I just I'm so happy for her.
0: I love that. When you've got a team that really doesn't have a weakness and you talk about what they have, three great pitchers, tremendous defense, particularly up the middle, and uh, you've got a great hitting team with the biggest uh, long ball threat in the history of women's college softball, you've got everything. So Patty's thinking she actually can be relaxed enough to think, hey, go get the GoPro, all right? This could happen at any moment. And uh, the video they captured in Houston was great. That was spectacular and uh, preserved for – history well done and uh man i there just aren't enough accolades to go around uh to talk about what patty Gasso has done she is the nick saban now of college softball pretty much right
1: if she's not i don't know who is no no no. no, yeah what's crazy to think is that patty Gasso has been the head softball coach at oklahoma for longer than i have been alive mike that is crazy man
0: is that is crazy of course you're twelve, right? But well, you're, yeah, uh, you're, you're, you're like that, the yeah. doogie hauser
1: of uh, sportscasters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've made that uh that analogy, that comparison. No, before. you just
0: turned what, twenty three? Was that what it was? Yeah, twenty three. Twenty three. Man, I remember twenty three. That was a long time ago. A long time ago. All right, you can also uh, hit us up, as always, on the Air Comfort Solutions tax line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino, get on out there. You have until midnight tonight to get the extra entries. Remember, on Monday and Tuesday, uh, they offer up five times the entries. Get one entry for every five points in your wild card, up to five times the entries for the big drawings on Friday night. This will be the final drawing for the $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. And uh, Friday night, you could go out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. The drawing starts at 6, runs to 1130. Three patrons' names called out every half hour. That's 33 in total. And then they have a couple grand prize winners again. They'll call out just before midnight at Riverwind. It's a great night to go uh, Win a jackpot and then wait and hear your name called. Win some more money. You can also have a great meal at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or at the River Buffet at Steak Night on Friday night. All you can eat there for twenty nine ninety nine, and they've got a tremendous food court, the season's food court there as well. So many great dining options and so many winning options for you at Riverwind. That's why they are simply the best. All right,
1: you want to go to the text line? Yeah, let's. Uh, we can carry this question over into the next hour because I'd be curious to hear other folks' thoughts on it. But one listener says, in reference to OU basketball, I would rather they play two to three games in the NIT than go one and out in March Madness. Hmm.
5: Right. I, d- I
1: don't know that I followed that train of thought. Because to me, that's like saying... Yeah, I'd rather go to the Alamo Bowl and win it than lose in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it depends on where your program
0: is. Like when Billy Tubbs was here and they went to the NIT in his second year and they lost to, uh, what was it? It was Bradley, I believe, uh, in the championship in Madison Square Garden. They had a great run and uh, you know, fan support for the NIT. The NIT was a bigger deal back then. It, it all depends on where your program is at this point in time. I still think the NCAA tournament is the better option, but it's an interesting question to throw out there. It's a it's an interesting question for sure. So we shall see. Uh, but the Sooners again tonight in Lubbock playing Texas Tech. Uh, the Red Raiders, number nine in the country, and I'm sure they very well remember – Uh, Mo Gibson dropping 30 on them in the last game, and the Sooners won by 15 back on February 9th. And, again, that that was Oklahoma's best game of the year. Mo Gibson caught fire, and the Sooners win that game. Uh, Kevin O'Banner, by the way, for you Tulsa listeners, former ORU player, having a good, solid season for Tech. Ten points, five rebounds, shooting 34% from three. And uh, there's a good chance that Mark Adams is – You know, not just the Big 12 coach of the year, but certainly could very well be the uh, national coach of the year as well. So we'll see if the Sooners can make a game of it and uh, maybe pull a miracle tonight in Lubbock because they're going to need an unbelievable performance. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We've got another hour to go here on this Tuesday. Thank you all for being here. Let's continue on with another hour after the uh, top of the hour update and more. Stay with us. And our number two is presented to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. It's, it's exit 72 on uh, your way headed south. Or if you're coming the other direction, if you're headed north, uh, it's still exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. That great guarantee always, uh, always is uh, something that you want to hear oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you from the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. All right, uh, so the Sooners tonight at uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock and – how much uh, – look, Tech's just the better team. They're the number nine team in the country. They've got a legitimate chance to possibly go on a run and win a national championship, certainly at least get to the Final Four. And uh, Mark Adams has coached them up. Man, it doesn't seem like they have skipped a beat, Parker, with uh, Chris Beard headed to Texas. They swept the uh, regular season uh, series with the Longhorns. They just won in Austin over the weekend. Uh, so Oklahoma has their work cut out tonight, but how about the job that, that Mark Adams has done, man, I, at Tech? They've been a machine. Is Tech better without Chris Beard than they were with him? I, I don't know. It's You know, you, you have to consider the long term. You can answer that maybe after three or four years. But he has done an unbelievable job. He's going to be the Big 12 coach of the year. He might very well be the national coach of the year as well. How much do you think, first of all, again, like I said, this is going to be an uphill battle for Oklahoma anyway had they not even won uh, the first game February 9th. But the fact, the way the Sooners won that game February 9th, how much more difficult does that make this matchup tonight? Because I think they'll be paying a little bit more attention to Mo Gibson tonight. After he dropped 30
1: on him with 8 of 11 from three-point I range. would think so. And also with Elijah Harkless out with the injury. Yeah, Mo Gibson will be the focus for Texas Tech defensively. And I think you also got to look at the fact that Oklahoma really historically has not won games when Mo Gibson has been held in check. And so that's going to be Texas Tech's primary objective tonight is curtailing Mo Gibson's impact on the game, particularly from beyond the arc. And if you can do that and you can make Tanner Groves be the guy, then I think that's a recipe for winning basketball because Tanner Groves has not proven that he is capable of being the guy on a consistent basis. He's shown flashes, sure, but in reality, nobody on this Oklahoma team has been all that consistent this year. And their X factor on offense, naturally, is Mo Gibson just because of his ability to shoot the ball from beyond the arc. If you take him out of the game... Then Oklahoma is really going to struggle to find their groove offensively, and so that's that I think is going to be what's most important for Texas Tech on their home floor tonight. Seven
0: o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus. Uh, do you have an issue with games on ESPN Plus? Does that bother you? Uh, yes, it bothers me. I'm not about
1: to buy a subscription. Yeah, but you get Disney Plus too. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I don't care. And Still I- not buying a subscription. Man,
0: I, I, are you uh, one of those guys just out of college or still eating ramen noodles and Vienna sausages? Is that what you have in your fridge?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely not. Okay, good. Well, I'm I am saying, not
0: a, uh... I've, I've been there, done that back in the day. Now, the Vienna sausages are absolutely disgusting, and the liquid that they uh, they float around in is 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 evil. But I I remember a guy when I worked at K10 and Ada when I was first doing TV back in the day, and this dude had, like, 25 cans of Vienna sausages. And I'm like, dude, that is the most disgusting thing ever. At least go ramen noodles and just go get yourself some bologna and some bread. If you're going to, it's a survival skill when you're starting out in small market television.
1: Yeah, well, no, I tell you what, my diet my sophomore and junior years at college that was when I, I well no i guess my junior year that's probably when i had it the roughest because i had i lived on campus each of my first two years so i was on the meal plan mm-hmm. and i ate pretty good i've always been one to try and eat healthy in as much as is possible that just wasn't possible my junior year because like pizza I shuttle had, i had so much on my pl- i was i was a pizza shop guy more so than yeah. a pizza shuttle guy although i did have both but Man, I ate more fast food and just like quick meals my junior year of college than I have probably any other year in my life. When you when long you're when
0: shot. you're on the go a lot, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you yes. have to do it.
1: Now, these days I've gotten a lot better about making time to cook for myself. And so uh, generally I will I'll set aside time to cook myself dinner and if I if I do have to be on the run uh, hurrying off somewhere, I usually have leftovers that I can grab. Yeah, you you need
0: to try some rice a It's the San Francisco treat. Rice a Yeah,
1: miss me with that. All right. It's it's very uh, it's very, ricey. Air Comfort Solutions text line wants to know: Steely, did you work with Gary Dibello at K10? Uh, I don't remember that name. Uh, I
0: don't think so. I, I hope I'm. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping Gary DeBello's not there going, you son of a, you, we work together, you know. But uh, I don't remember that name. I don't think that I did. I was there, and let's see, the uh, the anchors were Jack Shipe and Lisa Jones. Jimmy Spencer was doing the weather. And uh, Bob Slovak, who's still a good friend of mine, who uh, was most recently at ABC in Houston, was the uh, weekend sportscaster there, uh, was the sports director. And then he left, and then I became the sports director there. And, uh, but I don't remember that name.
7: I don't remember that name.
1: Kendall right. says, ESPN Plus is the work of the devil. It bothers me. And I'm 40. Now it's He's a man. It's He's look, 40. You know, uh, your TV habits
0: are your TV habits. And the one thing that you can do is you can watch, like, I'll watch on my phone tonight because I've got a big enough phone that I can, uh, so we can watch, like, a uh, Netflix series or whatever, and I can pay attention to the game, too. So... At least you can do that, but I know a lot of people are bothered by it. All right, what happens if the uh, Sooners win in Lubbock tonight? What will the postgame handshake be like? You never know what could happen. Jawan Howard suspended for the rest of the year. You saw the ugliness after uh, Wisconsin's win over Michigan on Sunday. Uh, Tom Izzo, the Michigan State coach, was asked about uh you know some of the reactions out there that well maybe we just need to do away with the post game handshake man these kids and man well the coaches in this situation they just can't control themselves here's what Tom Izzo had to say about that
2: that to me would be the biggest farce joke ridiculous nature of anything I've ever heard of we've already taught these poor 18 year olds that when when you know, you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids if you're not happy you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable and now we're gonna tell them to not man up and walk down a line on somebody who's kicked your butt and have enough class To shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. Get him, Izzo. Get him.
0: Go, Tom, go. Go, Tom, go. Tom Izzo, man, he's an old school coach. You Sooner fans remember the uh, collision in the Sweet 16 with uh, Eduardo Nahara and Mateen Cleaves on that uh, national championship team. Uh, The Flintstones that eventually won the NCAA uh, championship and uh, th- their physical team, he's still an old-school coach. Now, Porter Moser was asked about those comments and uh, his thoughts on the post-game handshake. It was Garen Emig, I believe, who asked him about it during the Zoom yesterday, and here's what Porter had to say about the situation.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm not one of the ones that is going to knee-jerk reaction and say we can throw away the handshake line. I loved what one of the players tweeted out today because I never went able to told this other, other player how hard he played and how tough he was uh, if it wasn't for the handshake line. Um, you know, I've been coaching for 30 years, you know, and a lot of, a lot of these coaches has, um, it's not easy to go shake somebody's hand when, when you just got, when you just lost a game, I mean, you feel gut wrenched, um, especially on close games, especially on games that have so much meaning in February, it's not easy, but what are you always telling your guys, you know, how you, how, you know, you're, you know, we got to handle adversity. You got to react, you know, when things don't go your way. So I don't I don't like the message that the way to respond is avoid it.
0: There you go. I mean, if we can't shake hands after uh, sporting events, I mean, what kind of world are we living in? Right? I mean, look, you may not uh, just have a little class. And I understand Jawan Howard, the people that were calling for Jawan Howard to be fired, I, I think that was way over the line. And, uh, you know, the Wisconsin assistant coach did stop him and put his hands on him first, not to excuse the the overhand slap that Jawan Howard connected with. Uh, and I think the suspension is probably about what it should be for Jawan Howard, but... Um, I don't know, Parker. I like, I like what Tom Izzo says, man. Uh, really? So we have a couple incidents and we're going to eliminate it? That's not the solution, right? Tom Izzo, man, he's coached him up. Remember, uh, Tom Izzo has been criticized a few times over the last five or six years for coaching too hard. You know, being too tough on his players, and some of these, uh, you know, when he's, uh, you know, grabbed a player and uh, tried to tell him something in a very aggressive way. Man, that's a, a lot of coaches
1: used to be that way. So yeah, it's... but but find me an ex-player that has a harsh word to say about Tom Izzo. Not that's many. Not many. Everybody on the outside, everybody who watches the clips of Tom Izzo grabbing his player by the shoulders or whatever, they're like, well, he's. We can't have anybody coaching like that in the 21st century. But you ask you ask anybody that played under Tom Izzo, I guarantee you they're going to have nothing but good things to say about a coach like that. By the way, uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line. One of our listeners says, "Parker, you just said you remember back in the day. You just turned 23. Please get real. Your credibility is at risk." Did I say I remember back in the? I was I I, I think I was talking about back in the day, my junior year of oh, college, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah.
0: I? Yeah. Yeah, you were. You were talking about your diet. If back
1: in the day refers to a specific era, what (laughs) era is that?
0: I love how you've got different versions of the redneck voice now, too. Uh huh. It's pretty good. Okay. uh, By the way, Mikey, who is this? Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Now I know. Uh, Steely, who was the Michigan State Guard who ran into Nahara? I, I just mentioned that. You must have missed it, Mikey. It was Mateen Cleaves. Mateen Cleaves. Part of the Flintstones team. That team had uh, Jason Richardson and Mateen Cleaves, obviously. Uh, Mo Pete, Maurice, Maurice Peterson. Morris Peterson was the left-handed sharpshooter. They had uh, Charlie Bell was the other guard. And I believe the center was uh, no, Greg Kelser. Was the, that was the Magic 79 team. Uh, Andre Hudson. There's your starting five right there. Michigan State, 2,000. Now, asked me about last year, and I'll have no clue. But if you go back 20-plus years, I'll probably be able to get it. Very impressive. So, that was a heck of a team. And uh, Izzo's teams have always been tough, no doubt. All right, we'll break right here. We have uh, T.J. Eckert coming up. T.J. Eckert, KTUL-TV Sports Director, 135. We'll get his thoughts on a number of subjects. Let's talk a little more Sooner Football when we get back. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley for bringing you uh, our number two here on Steelman and Thune on a Tuesday here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Network, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. TJ Eckerts. Coming up here in about 15 minutes on the law offices of Rod Polston, uh, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. We're always looking for your texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. All right. So, Parker, uh, I was asked by a friend to ask you today. Which offers for the Sooners out there have you most fired up? If you had to go with three or four offers that the Sooners currently have out there for you know any class, I guess,
1: uh, which ones would you look at? <sighs> well, I I feel like the two I always start with, and I feel this question a lot. The two I always start with are a couple of five-stars in the class of 2023 that I legitimately think have the potential to be generational talents. David Hicks, the defensive lineman out of Allen High School in Texas, and then Jalen Hale, the five-star wideout out of Longview, Texas. Those two dudes, and OU's sitting in a pretty good spot with both of them, man, if they can lock down those dudes, those are going to be special football players. So the line firm of Hicks and Hale, uh, you'll go there. (laughs) All right, what else? I'm trying to think, see, I always when I, when I throw a bone to myself with a couple of five stars, I always try to think about a guy that's under the radar. Uh, maybe a guy that uh, could explode onto the scene late in the process but isn't super highly regarded right now. One of those one of those such guys is Darion Galette who is a hybrid safety linebacker out of Marlin, Texas, a three-star prospect in the class of 2023. And he will be on campus March 5th, among a bunch of others, at Oklahoma's Junior Day. And then, man, I, I feel like I've been throwing the name Dylan Edwards out there a lot lately. And part of the reason is because Oklahoma's in a really, really good spot for Dylan Edwards, and I would say is probably the odds-on favorite to get his commitment. I have a crystal ball in for Dylan Edwards to Oklahoma. Man, turn on that dude's film if you haven't already and treat yourself, because that is a special, special football player, and Dylan Edwards is going to be a dynamic weapon in Jeff Levy's offense at Oklahoma.
0: What about uh, the David Stone kid, Dell City to IMG rights? Yes. Uh, how you feeling about that one? A, a, a lot of people feel like uh, that could very well be Oklahoma. You feeling? Yeah, that I just still- put in a crystal ball last night. So yes. Yeah, you did. There, there yep. you go. So how quickly could that happen? It could happen
1: sooner rather than later. Yeah, I a would little say. Pun there too. I would say I. I will be surprised if. The summer rolls around and David Stone isn't committed to Oklahoma yet.
0: Okay, uh, so would that help Oklahoma with their IMG connection because they got Buki out of IMG, right? They did. And anybody else from IMG, the Sooners have uh, TJ Pledger. That's the that's only right, other that's one. That's right. We talk about that. So, and, or would people look at that and say, "Well, he's an Oklahoma kid who went to IMG," or uh, the Sooners? You know, if you can get players out of IMG, then you're doing uh, you're doing a very good job because they're all highly recruited. Yes, there's a reason they're there. So, uh, what about the uh, the next big running back uh, commit,
1: possibly? And uh, they've got a big offer out there, correct? OU uh, running back, mm-hmm. yeah. So the the one everybody's excited about, and we're feeling a lot of questions on him uh, on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line is Richard Young, the five star running back out of the state of Florida. He will be on campus March 5th. Touched on this yesterday with Tyler. Don't get your hopes up yet. Now, if Richard Young really enjoys his Oklahoma visit on March 5th and he decides to come back around come summertime, then at that point in time I would say, okay, maybe Oklahoma has a puncher's chance here. Right now I don't get that sense. I think at running back in the class of 2023, I'm looking more at Trey Wissner, the four-star back out of Waco, Texas, as a guy that Oklahoma is very much in the lead for. And then if you want to throw Dylan Edwards in that mix, I guess you can, but he's not a pure running back, uh, very much more of a slash weapon type of guy, a Tavon Austin-esque player. So at this point, I don't know who the other running back will end up being for Oklahoma in the class of 2023. I think it's safe to assume that Trey Wisner could be in the mix just based on everything he's said on social media, what his mom has said about DeMarco Murray, and how many times he has been on campus. I'd be surprised if Trey Wisner isn't a Sooner. Again, though, Oklahoma's going to be in a position where it'll probably behoove them to take two running backs. And if you are recruiting Dylan Edwards as a Tavon Austin-esque type of player who isn't going to be a true running back in your offense, then it begs the question, who's the other guy? And that's why Oklahoma is hosting Richard Young on March fifth again. Not super confident in their chances there, but I would expect that before long we'll start to get a sense of who else Oklahoma is targeting seriously at the running back position in the class of twenty twenty three. All right,
0: Ronnie for you asking me, uh, who do you guys have on your list as your favorite Sooners to interview?
1: You want to start favorite Sooners to interview. <laughs> I feel like we got asked this not long ago. It's really hard not to put Caleb Kelly at the top of that list just because that dude was a consummate pro in front of a microphone.
0: And there's a reason he's a big part of the soul mission, right? Exactly. Because, number one, the stuff he's done in the community, just a good dude and very articulate, and you want a kid like that representing uh, your university.
1: So, yes. And uh, so you go um, Caleb Kelly. DJ Graham is another guy that I would put high on the list. DJ Graham has always been a really fun interviewer. Anybody from Hoops?
0: I know that mainly you've been dealing with a lot of COVID Zoom stuff with with basketball, too. So that makes it maybe a little more I'm trying to think of the last
1: few years who stands out as far as basketball. Brady Manick, I guess. He was always the guy that got... Uh, thrown to the wolves (laughs) it was kind of like regardless of how well or how poorly he played he was always the one talking to the media after the game so got to hear a lot of Brady Manic, and he's a very well read individual so if I had to pick a hoops guy it'd probably be Brady Manic. I would uh, – see, i got to go way back
0: on this, Ronnie, uh, because I haven't done, like, uh, press conferences, post-game uh, media interviews since, man, going back to, like, 2003. I just haven't done it. Once I've made the real transition to morning radio, I, I just haven't done as much. But I can tell you going all the way back, and I'd go way back, I would go with uh, my all-time favorites, Wayman Tisdale. Uh, He was great, man. Wayman was the best. And uh, I'm talking players here. Uh, Bosworth, because you were always going to get something good from Bosworth, unless it was Nebraska week and then it was kind of a different Bos. But uh, Spencer Tillman, I always thought was really good. Spencer was uh, Mr. Thesaurus even back in his days at OU. And, uh, in fact, we co-hosted a show here when uh, Al Eshbach went on vacation. Uh, when Spencer was still at OU. So uh, he was always a great guy. And, uh, you know, a a guy that I think was really underrated uh, in terms of the way he handled uh, the press was Nate Hibble when he was quarterback at OU. I always thought Nate was – he would stick around forever, man, and do every interview, and he was articulate and honest and always gave uh, some good stuff. So those would be Wayman Tisdale – Uh, Boz, Spencer Tillman, Nate Hibble for me. Nate Hibble goes under the radar. Ryan Hibble, by the way, heck of a golf coach. Heck of a golf coach. Uh, You know, you read the story in the LA Times where Ryan, I guess, was pretty close with uh, Muleshoe. We'll forgive Ryan because Ryan's a great guy. But in uh, a heck of a coach, he's won a national championship. He's done wondrous things for the OU golf program. But I guess Muleshoe used to sneak over there and hit balls and everything to get away from everybody.
1: Hmm. Interesting. I never realized that. So a couple other suggestions via the text line. Nick Harris uh, and Isaiah Thomas. as well. Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas was a great interview. No question about that. That dude knew how to give a soundbite.
0: Anybody else? Uh, what about coaches, if you apply that to coaches, like football coaches at OU? Uh, I mean, you've covered just Mule Shoe and now Brent, but um, you've dealt with Bob Stoops, I'm sure, obviously, because yes. he, he's been uh, you know, doing wondrous stuff for the program, you know, saving the Titanic from hitting the iceberg here
1: recently. Always really like talking to Bill Biedenbow mm-hmm. and Jamar Kane as well when he was here. Those were two guys that probably didn't get enough time in front of the press as they should have because they knew their stuff.
0: Uh, Coach Schwitzer was always great. Um, Schnellenberger was great for comic relief. Uh, Bob was Bob was good. Bob was a little bit guarded, you know, when he was at the podium. Um, And, you know, there's a difference between representing the university and representing the program and representing yourself. I think we've seen that Bob has a lot more personality than a lot of people thought uh, based on what he's done uh, with his um, really, I think, really good job that he did with Fox this year as an analyst and, uh, you know. And we all kind of thought that anyway. If you'd ever had a chance to talk to Bob away from, you know, the press conference situation, you could tell that he had that ability. And not like his press conference was all, you know, just meat and potatoes all the time. Uh, John Blake was a super good, gregarious guy. You know, I don't think he was more of a position coach recruiter, but I really liked John Blake. Um, And I always enjoyed talking to Billy Tubbs. Billy was one of a kind, man. What a great – I just – Man, I just wish Billy had gotten his national championship because I still believe that 88 team was the best in the country. And, and Billy, you could be fiery, man. You catch him at the wrong moment, like after uh, after they lost a the game uh, against uh, Nolan Richardson Tulsa team, Billy was spitting fire, and occasionally he'd be spitting fire. But he always had a good quip here and there, so good. So that would be it for me coaches-wise, Ronnie. Thank you for the question. All right. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Pauls Valley, exit 72, great deal in a car or truck. Ladies and gentlemen, the Stones are going to take you to break. We're coming back with T.J. Eckert here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. We, uh, we talked last week that, yes, one uh, James Marshall Hendricks played the OU Fieldhouse back in 1970. In fact, he played two shows. He played a show at 7 p.m. and one at 10 p.m. Now, when I get my time machine, I'm going back to see those both shows once I can afford my time machine. Elon Musk is going to create one soon, right? Probably, maybe. That's where that would be one of my first destinations back to see uh, Hendrix play the OU Fieldhouse. All right, TJ Acker joins us, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, this man is uh, a—he's a world-class sports director in uh, Tulsa at uh, KTUL, and TJ always comes on with us, which we greatly appreciate. What, is, uh, what are the people in green country talking about right now? What is the number one thing they are thinking about sports-wise right now at this very moment?
6: Man, you know, there's just so much going on up here, so much to, to discuss. Uh, we got ORU Baseball starting today at their, at their home opener, so that's a big deal. Uh, kind of going to be chilly out there for those guys. but uh, Other than that, man, just getting ready for some high school basketball playoffs, which obviously just got pushed back. By the OSSAA due to the weather coming in, so lots of stuff going on.
0: You guys, you got the uh, you got Southern Hills and the PGA is right around the corner, man. That's that's not too far away.
6: Man, fired up for that too. I was just talking with uh, Brian Carnes; he's the tournament director from the PGA of America. I was just talking with him uh, a couple weeks ago, and they got things on the on the right track. I think it, it helped them greatly having the senior here last year in terms of having infrastructure in place having staff still in place, basically. Basically, what they did was they went from Tulsa uh, to the Ryder Cup and then from the Ryder Cup right back down here to Tulsa. So they didn't have to do a whole lot of of moving things around. Um, So everything appears to be in a good spot. This is one of, if not the most anticipated, sporting event to come to Tulsa in quite some time, maybe ever, and that's without Tiger Woods. And we we still don't know if he's playing or not. And if he is playing, then this thing is going to just absolutely take off.
1: TJ, hard times recently for the two Power 5 basketball programs in the state of Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, of course, losing that tough, hard-fought game in Gallagher-Iba Arena last night in overtime to Baylor. And Oklahoma, as we know, spiraling out of control, really need some wins down here, or uh, down the stretch here, if they're going to reassert themselves as a tournament team. So, as you look at these two teams, obviously Oklahoma State, uh, we have long known, is not going to play in the tournament, but... uh, with Mike Boynton and the situation that he's in in Stillwater and Porter Moser, the situation that he's in at Oklahoma, what are the long-term prognostications in your eyes for these two programs?
6: Just talking about the rest of the season or going forward? Uh, both. Yeah. So going for I mean, just for the season, I kind of view tonight, I hate to say must-win games when the season's still going on, but feels pretty important. They need a resume booster, OU does tonight. Obviously, I already beat Tech once. If you can go on the road and win a game against a top ten opponent, that that will go a long way. Because from there, if you if you lose tonight, winning your last three games isn't easy by any stretch. It's it's against three of the bottom bottom teams in the league. But winning those three games still might not be enough to give you a tournament resume. So, as far as this season goes, tonight tonight is really do or die, in my opinion, in terms of a, a tournament look. Now, long-term for OU, things I still think look fine. You know, you, you, this year you pretty much ragtagged your team together, brought in a bunch of guys from different schools, tried to throw them together on the court, first-year head coach, see if you can make it work, and there were some positive signs for sure. Give Porter Moser a recruiting class or two, give him these guys for a couple of years, and, and see what happens from there. I was encouraged uh, by, what I, by what I've seen for the most part. They just lacked that one guy for a go-to score. They didn't really have a guard until late in the season when Goldwire started to play well. Haven't had a guard that really took over games uh, for them. So give him a couple years, Porter Moser, and we'll see what happens. As for OSU, it's hard. I, 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 it's hard not to be in that position. I'm on the outside, but I would imagine being in the locker room, it'd be tough to go out there and play every night knowing that there's no end-of-season goal, right? I mean, you're not playing for the tournament. You're not even playing for the Big 12 tournament. So. They've played. They've played fairly well, all, all things considered, when you when you look at the fact that they didn't have a tournament to play for. So interesting to see what will happen after this season. Thought Bryce Thompson moved along pretty well uh, there for the Cowboys throughout the season. So they got him coming back. We'll see. We'll see what all comes back next year from Mike Boyden. And it's interesting. You know, he gets a lot of credit, and people point to his record though, and how it hasn't been that impressive yet. So. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he comes back out next season whenever hopefully they're able to, to play in the tournament.
0: T.J. Eckert, our guest, KTUL TV sports director in Tulsa. I want to ask you because uh, the Sooners playing in Lubbock tonight against Tech and uh, Kevin O'Banner, former ORU star, 10 points, 5 mm-hmm. rebounds, uh, been a good player. It's done a, a nice job for Texas Tech, shooting almost 34% from three. Max Azmus of course, came back and uh, returned to ORU. And I think the last time I checked, he was fifth in the country in scoring, averaging close to, I think it was right mm-hmm. around 23 a game. How has it gone for Max Azmus Again, he doesn't have his running mate there after the incredible run they made in the tournament last year. How has the season gone for Max, and, and what are we thinking about for his uh, professional status now after coming back to ORU?
6: Yeah, Max has been impressive. He's kind of had... He has he was the guy last year, obviously. Kevin O'Banner was a, a nice Robin to his Batman. Obviously, I think that without that, he's kind of had to take on even more. I mean, there's, he's got a few guys who have stepped up. Kareem Thompson's played well. He's got Carlos Juergens, who's been playing decent as well. The Shang Weaver. A bunch of role-player guys who've had to kind of fill in. They didn't replace Kevin O'Banner, much so with... They tried to just piece things together to try and replace his uh, production. So... Max has done a pretty good job being the focal point of the offense, knowing he's going to face double teams and, and tough defenses every night, and he's still gone out, like you mentioned, and gotten his 23. There was a game, gosh, it had have been a couple of weeks ago, he went scoreless in the first half and scored 30 in the second. So it's just, you know, he has the ability to take games over like that. He can get hot from behind the arc. He's really good at driving, which for his size is pretty impressive. And so I, I, think, I think he was pretty close to going to the league last year. I think if he would have gotten a first-round grade, he was gone. I think he ended up getting an early second-round grade. And, of course, as we know, the second round, anything can happen in there in the NBA draft. And so I think he's done well enough to keep his draft stock, maybe slightly improve it. Um, and he's got a big game on Thursday. Th- that's going to be the biggest game for their season so far. ORU are you playing South Dakota State at the Maybe Center in Tulsa? South Dakota State hasn't lost in the Summit League yet. So that'll be a big one for them. Uh, if they're going to continue to rise up the summer league standings, and hopefully repeat and go back to the NCAA term.
1: Now, TJ, as we draw closer and closer to seven-on-seven seven season and spring football, who are some of the Tulsa area football prospects that you're most excited to see as the spring dawns?
6: Yeah, you know, I, I know he just flipped and, and decommitted, and is now at Arkansas. But Luke has seen how his how his progression continues to to, to go. It will be interesting. He hasn't. He wasn't really the focal point at Bixby this past year. You had, Bre- you had Braylon Presley, who's now going to Oklahoma State. And so I think him being more as the guy there at Bixby, that'll be that'll be interesting for me to see. That That's a guy who has been recruited so much on raw talent, right? Hasn't really been much of a football guy up until the last couple of years. And so for him to get another year at Bixby in that offense, which has been so dynamic, uh, that's going to be fun to see. Also looking forward to seeing some quarterbacks uh, around green country. There's there's a f- bunch of guys up here who are just really solid players who haven't gotten a lot of looks, I would say, in, uh, in terms of recruiting. Obviously, Steele Wazel's is a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz in the Oklahoma City area, but there's a bunch of, Bixby, Bixby, bunch of green country kids up here that really, I think, have a chance to do something special at the next level. And so maybe this, this year is a year for a handful of guys from, I mean, Kirk Francis is a guy at Metro Christian who, doesn't have any offers yet, but is a guy who could explode at any minute. There's plenty of other guys like that around Tulsa that just haven't really gotten that first offer and popped off yet. So those are some of the guys I'm kind of paying attention to. All
0: right, TJ, real quick before we let you go, you're a big uh, golfer and golf fan, so we, I always ask you uh, about it, but uh, after what DJ and Deshambo said this weekend, does it, does it feel like the uh, Saudi Super League is not going to make the cut? What do you think?
6: It's amazing how... Phil's reputation appears to be in the balance, right? I yeah, mean, a guy yeah. that seemingly everybody loves, loves his personality and, and, and how, you know, much fun he's been on Twitter to all of a sudden he's almost the enemy again. It's like the tiger Phil rivalry. He's almost back in that enemy role again. Uh, obviously he's kind of been the big proponent for the Saudi league and his comments over the weekend were really blown up by some of the players. Rory McIlroy came out and really stood up to what Phil was saying. So, it's interesting, you know, all these rumors keep floating about the Saudi League, where the money's coming from, the players that are reportedly going to join, and then we really still haven't got anything substantial from the Saudi League, right? It's just been a bunch of rumors being floated out. And then, like you mentioned, DJ Bryson all saying that they're going to probably stick to the PGA Tour, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, those guys pledging their allegiance to the Tour. So it's really, it's it's crazy to see the golf world kind of unite around the PGA Tour right now, when you got Phil, who outside of Tiger is your biggest name, kind of propon- being a proponent for this new league. So I don't know what's going to happen. See- it sure seems like it's crumbling, but you know Phil and Bryce and Bryson- Phil and the Saudi league seem to have a a decent relationship, so I guess he could pull some people that maybe we're not thinking about. European tour guys, I'm not sure. But sure seems like the PGA Tour is winning right now.
0: No doubt. Uh, a couple big victories uh, again over the weekend uh, for the PGA Tour again with DJ and Deshambo statements that they made. Uh, TJ, we always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon. Yep, appreciate your parking. TJ Eckert, ladies and gentlemen, KTUL TV in Tulsa. When we get back, Aaron Rodgers talks about the meaning behind his super sappy Instagram post. We'll get to that when we get back here on this Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune at noon, way afternoon. We're going to get locked in at 2 o'clock with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas. We have one more segment to go, so keep it here on the ref.
5: Okay. Welcome back.
0: Locked in coming up at the top of the hour with Parker and Tyler McComas here on the ref. You have until midnight tonight to get out to Riverwind Casino and play with your wild card and get five times the entries for the next big drawing in the $80,000 River of Romance promotion. Uh, Coming up on Friday night, they'll draw out three patrons' names every half hour from 6 to 11.30 p.m. Your chance to collect your share of the $80,000 in cash and bonus play. So uh, they'll draw out 33 names between 6 and 11.30. You'll have a great chance to win, particularly if you get out and play with your wild card and get five times the entries for the drawing. And you have until midnight tonight. They also have two grand prize winners they draw out just before midnight on Friday night. Riverwind, a great place to go have a great meal at Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant or the River Buffet. Great uh you know, situation on Friday night, especially with steak night, all you can eat steak for twenty nine ninety nine. Seafood night, all you can eat for thirty nine ninety nine. A great brunch on Sunday. They've got a tremendous food court over there as well. World class hotel. They've got everything: the best games, best promotions, best concerts, best service. It's all right there for you at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Okay, so you saw, I'm sure, Aaron Rodgers' Instagram post this morning, Parker. I did not. Well, Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people were talking about it because uh, he, in the uh, hashtag Monday Night Gratitude, he says, here's some Monday Night Gratitude for some of the incredibly special people in my life with some pictures from the last beautiful year. at Shaylene Woodley, who is tremendous in uh, Big Little Lies, by the way. Thanks for letting me chase after you the first couple months after we met and finally letting me catch up to you and be a part of your life. Thanks for always having my back, for the incredible kindness you show me and everyone you meet, and for showing me what unconditional love looks like. I love you and am grateful for you. To the men I get to share the quarterback room with every day, Matt, Nathaniel, Luke, Jordan Love. Uh, You guys made every day so much fun, and I'm so thankful for the laughs and stress relief you brought to me every week of the year. And it went on and on and on. I don't know if uh, it was wine night for uh, for Aaron Rodgers last night or what. I mean, look, he, he's what he's saying is very kind. He got it all up in the fields, and that's fine. Uh, and he did come on the Pat McAfee show today and said there was nothing cryptic in my message. It was all about gratitude. That's it. Because everybody, all the talking head show, uh, you know. Types. This morning we're talking about what it meant Is it a, a so long to Green Bay Is it goodbye to uh, the NFL What does it all mean And Aaron Rodgers said uh, In the last 45 minutes or so On the Pat McAfee uh, show That it was just gratitude That's it But we're always looking for something right Well of course Whatever. Every- Lebr- you know LeBron talked about Oklahoma City So it's got to be coming to Oklahoma City Or he's got to be coming with Bronny Or he, he wants Sam Presti as the general manager in LA You know if there's no subplot,
1: the media will
0: make a subplot. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to continue to play football? And if so, where? I think he'll stay in Green Bay.
1: Like At this point, I, until, until I'm wrong, I'm just going to have to assume he will continue to play football in Green Bay. Because it feels like... The Packers and Aaron Rodgers have done the same dance for like five straight off seasons, mm-hmm. right? Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Is he retiring? Will he be traded? Who's going to be the quarterback of the future? And then come opening day every single year, it's still Aaron Rodgers at the controls for the Green Bay Packers. So until he ends up landing somewhere else, I'm gonna. it's one of those things where I'm going to have to see it to believe it. And I don't think he's done playing football. I think he's got plenty left in the tank. He's won consecutive MVP awards. You can make the argument that he's at the top of his game or close to it right now. So I don't see any reason for him to walk away. I don't see any reason for the Packers to walk away from him. Yeah,
7: it,
0: he's had a great career. He's headed to Canton. Uh, he, as soon as he's eligible, he'll be there. The only thing, again, is it seems like there should be one more Super Bowl ring. More than one Super Bowl ring for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. It just feels like he's, he's of that quality. Well, he is, but he's also had no help from the Green Bay front office. Some of that is absolutely true, no doubt. I still think they, uh, you know... They should have won that game against your Buccaneers at Lambeau, but they didn't. They didn't, and guess what? They didn't get it done against the 49ers either. Special teams, you know, just like Muleshoe, you got to pay special attention to special teams. If you don't, it could come back to bite you. Uh, I wonder who his next female is going to be. Who would he be going after? Who would Aaron Rodgers go after? He had Olivia Munn. Danica Patrick. Uh, Danica Patrick. What is That was a
1: strange kind of. Was that not strange to you a little bit? Hey, any relationship that Aaron Rodgers has been involved with has been strange. Um, and then, of course, Shailene Woodley. Olivia Munn, better known as
0: Lisa Munn during her time at OU, a Sooner. So Aaron Rodgers has uh, been with a Sooner, of course. I'm not sure about Shailene Woodley's background or education level, but she was really good in Big Little Lies. There's no doubt
1: about that. Okay, so we got to figure out another Sooner to set Aaron Rodgers up with so Mm. he can become a BMD at the University of Oklahoma. There you
0: go. There you go. We'll try and figure that out tomorrow. You and uh, Tyler can figure it out uh, during Locked In coming up here in a little bit. So, everybody, thank you, and uh, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72. For a great deal on a vehicle and a great guarantee from the Seth Wadley Auto Group, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. You will pay the price if you don't keep it here because Locked In is coming up next. Make sure you stay right here on the ref. We'll
7: see you. Whoa, well, buddy, Parker Thune, been a crystal balling here uh, recently, just put in another one, and <laughs> it's good news, David Stone, Oklahoma City to the IMG Academy, Parker's got uh, OU for the crystal ball for David Stone, which we talked about him last week, and you were hinting pretty strongly that you thought that he was an OU lean, and now... Um, you obviously think he's definitely an OU lean. And I heard you say with Steely earlier, you think by this summer there could be a commit here for OU. I do. And I think David Stone is the guy. And
1: it makes sense, right, because he's a local kid. He's the first player in the history of the state of Oklahoma to make the transition to IMG and go play at the nation's premier football development institution this is the type of guy that you'd like to be able to build a class around if you're Brent Venables and this Oklahoma staff. And from everything I have heard, from everything I know, it seems that David Stone is going to be that
7: guy. 2024 class, six foot three, 255 is what he's listed at. Um, offers all over the place. LSU's offered, Arkansas's offered, Baylor's offered, Texas, a uh, and USC, a lot of offers on the board, and I don't know if the staff felt this way, but I could understand it if, okay, the defensive lineman that we're trying to go out and find, a 6'3", 255 guy, it's not every single year where we have one of those guys in our own backyard. And, okay, we have one of these guys in our own backyard, now he's going to transfer to IMG in the state of Florida. Like I don't know if the staff felt this way, but I could, I could understand if they said, ah, uh, that's not the greatest situation. Like, we got this guy in state, and now he's going out of state. Does that hurt our chances on getting this kid? And uh, you got a crystal ball on him. Brandon Drum's got a crystal ball on him. It doesn't sound like him going to IMG at all affected his, you know, potential chances of ending up at OU. Which no, is a good it, thing. it did not.
1: And uh, this is a kid that was very, very close to committing to Oklahoma before the turnover on staff and before – mule shoe and all his cronies left but now that the new staff is in place and you got a defensive minded guy in brand venables you've got an elite positional coach in todd Bates, and by the way those are also two guys that have very strong relationships at img academy it all makes sense right and everything points in the direction of david stone being a key member of oklahoma's 2024 class and one of the guys that is going to be recruiting the rest of the class around him
7: Hey, that's good news, man. Th- these are the types of guys that we've been talking about for a while. The the, the d- defensive linemen, the guys that could, that are run stoppers, big bodies, can get after the quarterback. This is what we've been talking about for a while to get OU uh, over the hump to win a national championship. So good sign there, and don't think that David Stone is going to be the uh, only one here in recent classes that are uh, going to end up at OU. They, they already got some guys coming into this year's class, the 2022 class, And they are certainly after some more daddies in 2023 as well. But you mentioned the previous staff. And the thought was initially that, wow, they are going to go out on the West Coast and they are going to own the state of California in recruiting. Well, they didn't have all that great of a recruiting class, the previous one in 2022. And when I look at 23, it's ranked in the top 15 but it's with guys that were previous, you know, had OU ties. Malachi Nelson is there. You got Makai Lemon, another Los Alamitos guy. Like, what have you gathered nationally? Is is USC making the inroads? Out on the West Coast like everyone thought because it seems to be happening maybe a little bit slower, at least to me, than what most people thought it was going to be. Yeah, and I understand that
1: perception. I also think it's just – I mean, we're in a dead period right now in the month of February, so nothing's happening. It kind of sucks because, you know, particularly from where I sit, I want stuff to be happening. I I would love to be able to share new information with listeners and VIPs over at OUinsider.com, but (laughs) – I mean, there's just not a whole lot going on right now, and far be it for me to manufacture storylines when there are none. And so I think the good news is we're a week away from things opening back up, the dawn of the month of March. Oklahoma will be hosting a lot of visitors both on March 5th and March 26th. But as far as Muleshoe and his new staff out there at USC is concerned, there's going to be an adjustment period. You know, you get the immediate boon on the recruiting trail when you make that transition, and guys like Lemon and Malachi Nelson and Rayleigh Ray Brown all follow you to USC. But I-, I think one of the things that Muleshoe is going to have to work past with a lot of the players that he was previously recruiting at OU is the breach of trust that has occurred there. Yeah, And I was exchanging text messages with a very highly regarded prospect in the class of 2023, Last week, and I, I I had talked to him about a month ago, and he had told me at that time he was planning on taking a visit to USC. And uh, we kind of had the conversation about because he had been previously recruited by Mule Shoe and the staff at OU, and we had sat in there kind of chatting through the transitional period and his perspective on all of it. So he loops back around and he's texting me over the weekend. And this is obviously Cole Adams, guys. That's who he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Um, but he's texting me, and he says, hey, uh, I want to be dropping a top schools list soon. Here's the schools that are all... Well, actually, he didn't tell me up front what schools were included in his top schools list. I, 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 I was like, you know what? Let me take a guess at which schools are going to be on your list. And one of my guesses was USC. And his immediate response was... Oh no, definitely not USC. <laughs> oh, ooh, okay. And he said, "Oh," and I, 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 naturally, I was like, "I thought you were visiting out there." And he's like, "No, I don't want anything to do with them." Oh, dang. Like, I I get looking out for you, he said, but don't tell your guys you aren't. You don't tell your recruits you aren't going anywhere, and then jump ship wow. for the West Coast. Okay, so, so that is just
7: one example. Hmm, that is one case study. He likes that. That is a blue chip guy in the class of twenty twenty three. Well, you just you said something interesting there at the beginning. You said you don't want to create storylines when there's nothing there, when there's nothing going on right now. Okay. Well, obviously, I can't call you Jaden Hazelwood because <laughs> that's what Jaden Hazelwood did today. Did he or did he not? Oh, he definitely did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he just he just I, he I. W- he just hit social media. And was like, yeah, it's beef time today. What are you? What are you doing? Are you 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 chasing some clout right now on social media? Are are you looking to stir everyone up? If if you don't know what we're talking about here, Jaden Hazelwood, former Sooner, currently at the University of Arkansas, tweets out: Never understood how the OU fans call me soft when I literally joined the hardest conference in football. Crying face emoji. Crying face emoji. And the toughest side, TBH. Hashtag SEC, sorry, not sorry. Um, Well, here's the deal, Jaden. No one really ever called you soft. I I don't really know what I'm missing here. And in fact, you were one of the guys that got, I I don't know, kind of got more excuses along the way than you probably deserved. You seem to be a pretty likable guy in the grand scheme of things with the fan base. No one really called you soft, but... Now we are like if you have to if you feel yeah, like that, you have that's to that's a soft
1: move right there. If bro. you
7: feel like you have to tweet about it now after all of this, like why now? Then yeah, it's a pretty soft move. We weren't before, but obviously you want us to call you soft, so I mean I I can do that, sure.
1: It's like it's like Bryce Young standing on the podium with his Heisman trophy saying, All my life I've been counted out and dead
7: Right. right. <laughs> it's like it's like players,
1: It's like, and I deal with recruits all the time who have 30 offers, and they're posting stuff like, out
7: to prove everybody wrong. Like,
1: who, who are you trying to prove wrong?
7: Who is doubting you? I mean, I didn't have, I mean, a huge opinion of Jaden Hazelwood one way or the other. I mean, obviously his career at OU did not match the five stars that he walked into the program with, but... This makes him pretty unlikable in the eyes of me because nothing recently has been said, nothing recently has happened. Like, if you're at this new SEC school that you love so much, why why are you taking the time last night to tweet out about how you're upset about how OU fans treated you? Like, what 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 are you? And and by the way, to prove that you're tough, like. You can't prove to me that you're tough just by going to Arkansas. I mean, just because you play in the SEC does not mean that you're tough. I can cite a whole lot of schools and a whole lot of coaches and a whole lot of players in the SEC that aren't SEC tough. So just because you have that logo on your jersey on Saturday does it not automatically make you tough. No, and taking to Twitter to tell everybody
1: how bizarre is it that all you fans are calling me soft, it's self-defeating. It's entirely self-defeating. And no one no one was upset when
7: Jaden Hazelwood left. No. Dude, no everyone was, was rooting. Everyone that transferred out this year, for the most part, outside of uh, Caleb Williams, everyone's rooting for that everyone's hoping that Stog goes out to South Carolina and has a huge year. Sure. God, everyone's rooting for Spencer Rattler to go out to South Carolina and have a big year. And I think Jaden Hazelwood falls in the same category. It's, oh, you fans know that they're better off. Those guys weren't a fit. Like, okay, cool, go do your own thing. There was no dislike there for all these guys. And now for Hazelwood, there, there probably is a little bit. It's weird, man. It's they're really, almost, really odd. Yeah, there almost has
1: to be because now you're throwing it back in the face of all the fans who were wishing you well. I'm sure you had six or seven haters on social media that were saying it's what? pretty low
7: in the grand scheme of things. Yeah,
1: fourth fourth generation sooner and doesn't you know want to stick it out at the University of Oklahoma? You'd rather go jump ship and play for some middling SEC program. So I, everybody has haters on social media, Tyler. But to laser focus on that vocal minority and ignore all of the well wishers, who wished you nothing but the best as you made the transition from Oklahoma to Arkansas, lest we forget, Jaden Hazelwood entered the transfer portal three days after the Bedlam loss. Yeah. The only pe- the only person that people were pissed at at that point was Muleshoe. Yeah. That
7: was the only thing we talked about on the air
1: for an entire week.
7: Yeah, I mean, I, and we all have our uh, Caleb Williams, Carl, Carl's Junior jokes, but at least he stayed around to the Alamo Bowl, right? If sure. there If there's any, if there's any transfer that has the right to tweet out what Jaden Hazelwood said, it's uh, Spencer Rattler. It's Caleb Williams. Jaden Hazelwood falls very far down the line, and guys that have the right, especially now in late February, to say, yeah, OU fans call me soft, look at me now, I'm in the big bad SEC West. Okay, buddy, hope it works out for you, because it didn't work out here.
1: Yeah, and now how is he going to be remembered in OU circles, too? Because up until this point, everybody would have remembered him as the five-star recruit who had injury issues Dealt with a head coach that probably wasn't bought in all the way. Dealt with catching passes from three different quarterbacks over three seasons. And was just never put in a situation that was conducive to his success. He needed a change of scenery. Went to Arkansas. Didn't work out for him at Oklahoma. But he came to OU when he had offers from every school in the country. Fourth generation sooner. He'll always have a special place in Sooner lore. Now it's like, well... Yeah, it was a nice story,
7: but then he dissed the whole fan base on his way out. Yeah, and be smart about it. This fan base isn't around, you know, isn't about some BS right now. I mean, this fan base is taking. You know, this fan base is throwing haymakers left and right on social media. It doesn't matter if you're a former coach or a national media member or who you are. If you attempt to come after this program right now, you're going to feel the wrath of OU Nation on the uh, on the uh, Twitter space. So, Jaden Hazelwood now um, has kind of entered into that. If Arkansas has a disappointing year or if he doesn't have a great year in Fayetteville, bad move, Jaden. You've kind of... Uh, you're you're now on the radar of OU fans out there, and now they will be watching to see what your production is this year, and if it's not to the level of what people think it's going to be, you will be hearing from OU fans during. Yeah, the Yeah, you of thought the, season. the haters were petty. You just unlocked a whole yeah. new level of pettiness. You, you came after the wrong fan base, there, buddy. Uh, over absolutely nothing. Like I never had a bad word. No, none of us had a bad word to say about Jaden Hazewood. No, at all. So. It was on. All right, for, uh, text line, Air Cover Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get to your text and more coming up on the other side. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Chapel Supply, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Chapel supplies you, and they supply you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Come let Chapel Supply you, 6509 West Reno Avenue in Oklahoma City. Anything going on on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? 405-651-3439.
1: One listener says, Mr. Tough couldn't catch a kick return. In Bedlam. Ooh, I mean, I that,
7: that wasn't him. That wasn't him. <laughs> it's Eric Gray.
1: It good, good burn, just wrong target. <laughs> uh, Kaysen asks, any news on the spring game? April 23rd, we know that much. Uh, sounds like 2 p.m. is yeah, good
7: time. Yeah, that seems pretty standard for a Saturday spring game. Um, also, that seems pretty standard. The winds uh, will be blowing about uh, 30 miles per hour on that uh, Saturday afternoon. Nevertheless... It will be a massive spring game crowd. Will it be a sellout? I don't know if it'll be a sellout, eighty-seven thousand strong. But there will be—I think the entire lower bowl will be will be full for that. And do we have any? Is it for sure that they're going to do the Baker and Kyler uh, statue unveiling? As far as I know, that's not for sure. But surely, right? There, I mean, there, like there are point, rumors. I mean, if not, <laughs> if not during the spring game. Like when when are you when are you going to do it? I, mean, I don't do, know, man. It's been, been five years.
1: There. It's been five years since Baker won the Heisman. So has it ever taken them this long to get a Heisman statue up?
7: Well, no one well they created the Heisman Park after all those guys had, had won a Heisman. So technically I don't think a new one has been inserted. I don't I don't think. So yeah, no. I mean, to answer your question, no. okay. Unless okay, okay, Jay exactly. White's came a little bit later after those, but I think they were all there at the same time. Text okay. line will correct me on that if I'm wrong. Anything else on the Air Conference Solutions text line before we move on here? Keep the text coming, by the way. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing worth reading. I'll say that much. Nothing on worth the Air reading. Solutions okay. Text right. line. Uh, Kindle is saying it's like me saying I have a shirt that says "Straight out of Compton, California." but actually never even stepped foot in the state of California. Crying face emoji, talking about the uh, Jaden Hazelwood situation. Kind of speaking of Jaden Hazelwood here, transfer portal, there's a story today on 24-7 Sports. There's still a lot of very notable names in the portal right now, and I did not realize that. There was even some names that I had forgotten about. Uh, Kamar Wheaton is a guy that we know. Um, I I don't even know if there's any rumors right now As to what schools that he's looking at. Have you heard anything on where Kamar Wheaton might end up? Uh, No,
1: I've heard nothing, which is
7: uh, not shocking when it comes to that kid. Now, the number one player in the portal, according to 24-7 Sports, O'Shawn Mathis, and he looks like he might be a Texas lean at this point. It's
1: sounding that way. Um, this dude's good, man. Yeah, He's yeah, a he really is good, good D-lineman. The, the, well, the interesting thing was for a while is that he was high school teammates with Tyler Guyton, who transferred from TCU to Oklahoma. So there was some thought that maybe Oklahoma would make a play for O'Shawn Mathis. Doesn't look like that's a serious consideration for him. But yeah, him and uh, him and old J T Daniels, yeah, they're yeah. at the
7: top of the list. There. And, and that's when I was I was scrolling down. I was like, "Wait, J T Daniels is still in the portal?" Or well, yeah, of course he's still in the portal. We would have known an announcement by now. He's gonna have some options just because it's a very well known name. I don't know what his options are going to be in terms of being at a big time program and being able to walk in as the starter. But this one has lasted a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. I don't necessarily care one way or the other it where JT Daniels ends up, but kind of with him, and not that I've been looking into that situation all too much, I, I don't know what his options are right now. It doesn't seem to me like three or five schools that are sticking out above anyone else. West Virginia
1: is a school that I have heard rumored as a potential destination for JT Daniels, which you know, I feel like all of West Virginia's quarterbacks over the last seven or eight years Seriously. have been
7: transfers. Seriously. Yeah, that Clint Trickett, going all the way back to Clint Trickett, he was a transfer from Florida State. Uh, you had Will Greer that was a transfer from Florida. Florida yep. Y- yeah, you had a bunch of dudes that have transferred in there. So, yeah, maybe JT Daniels will end up at West Virginia. Honestly, that wouldn't change my opinion of WVU all that much going into no, next year. No, it would not. Which, by the way, Oklahoma still hasn't lost at uh Lost in Morgantown since the Mountaineers joined the Big 12, and again with JT Daniels, I don't, my mind wouldn't be changed on that one at all. But this Oshawn Mathis, dude, he he could play a little bit. What do you have? Nine sacks last year, his sophomore year. That was the most at TCU since Matt Boson uh, back in 2017. So there's still some good players via the portal, but it doesn't sound like OU's in on any of these remaining guys. Fair to say? No,
1: not not at this time. The portal is, of course, all the uh, all the Sooner players were lobbying on Twitter for them to go after Wesley Walker, who recently entered the portal at Georgia Tech. I don't know how real of a thing that will end up being, but for the moment, I think OU is going to be content to just ride things out until the other side of spring ball with regard to the transfer portal.
7: Yeah, when and they're they're fine there. Um, would you take a guy like Oshon Mathis? Sure, but again, looks like Texas might be the uh, situation that he's leaning to towards there. OU and Tech tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus Bracketology, if you haven't seen it, OU is actually listed first four outs. So for the first time in a while, OU is on the outside looking in when it comes to the NCAA tournament, according to Joe Lenardi. Sooners are a 10-point dog, and Parker, I think that your hope tonight has to be that Tech coming off another big-time emotional win in Austin – lays out a complete dud tonight because it's going to be tough to go down to Lubbock unless Tech just throws a complete dud out there at the USA tonight.
1: Yeah, look, if I'm honest, I'm already looking past this game if I'm Porter Moser in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. because the way you've been playing lately, you're not going to go to Lubbock and win against these Red Raiders. You're just not. It would be nice to get this upset victory, and it would do wonders for your tournament hopes, but... To me, I'm looking at those last three games of the year, and those are must-wins. Those are
7: all games you have to win. Unless you're going to make a deep run in the Big 12 tournament, and I don't really have any proof here recently that that's going to happen. I I, I have to go into the assumption that they're going to win one, maybe two games in Kansas City at most. Sure. And... I think the reality, and that works in Oklahoma's favor, too, though, right? Because the
1: Big 12 is very much anybody's game right now. It could just as easily be Oklahoma as it could be one of the lead dogs like Kansas or Texas Tech. That is a wide-open league, and so I'm not going to sit here and say it's an impossibility that Oklahoma makes a deep run
7: in the Big 12 tournament, but I would definitely not count on it. It's been a while since OU's actually made a deep run in the Big 12 tournament. The last time that they were "quote unquote" deep into the thing was what, buddy's uh, buddy and the boys' their final four year back in 2016. They uh, of course got beat. Buddy hit that half court shot to win the game. Oh man! But it was after the buzzer and OU actually lost that game. So that was really the first time. That That was one of the
1: greatest moments in the history of the University of Oklahoma athletics that didn't count.
7: Yeah, Fran was uh, on the broadcast, healed, healed, healed. Everyone, no no one had the, the thought that he didn't get it off before the buzzer for about, I don't know, 60 seconds or so, and finally it started to sink into everybody. Oh, no, did he get that shot off? It was like the scene last night in Stillwater. If you watched that OSU-Baylor game. That would
1: have been the most bizarre buzzer beater of all time.
7: When Isaac likely hit the shot, and it did. He got it off before the game clock, but not before... The shot clock, Ugh. and nobody inside GIA realized that for a while. That's one of those shots where I'm just like, please let it stand. Yeah, just, just <laughs> let it
1: happen. Just let it happen I, I don't care about the rules. That was cool as hell.
7: Just yeah. let it stand. Well, uh, OU's going to have to hit a ton of threes tonight to win in Lubbock. Um, they're going to be outmatched inside, so you've got to make up for it somehow. You've got to hit open shots on the outside, and that sounds great and all. That probably means you got to count on Mo Gibson, but Mo is – Mo hasn't been good on the road here recently. And in fact, there's been some scoreless games for Mo on the road. When he's been good, it's been spin at home. He struggled on the road.
1: They're gonna have to have strong guard play tonight, and I think they're gonna have to get an increased contribution from CJ Noland. I think you're gonna have to see big minutes from Bijan Cortez because particularly with Elijah Harkless out, Texas Tech is gonna make every effort to lock down Yemoji Gibson. And so, you can't count on Emoja Gibson dropping 30 points on Texas Tech like he did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That can't be your no, recipe for victory.
7: No. I. Your recipe for victory is ugh, Tanner Groves is going to have to hit some threes tonight. I mean, you're going to have to kind of spread the wealth tonight. Uh, Jordan Goldwire is going to have to hit some outside shots. You're going to have to play. I, I don't think it's crazy to say. You're going to have to play... If not your best game of the year, certainly one of your best games of the year. You're going to have to look like the team that we saw in the BOK Center in Tulsa against Arkansas way back in December. That That's what it's going to take. But if you can get a win tonight, this is one that would massively swing the momentum the other way and would get you back safely into the field of the NCAA tournament. Yeah,
1: not only are you back safely into the field, but you've actually given yourself a little bit of margin for error. If you win tonight. So, again, don't count on it if you're an Oklahoma fan. I'm not count on, counting on it if I'm Porter Moser or any of the members of this Oklahoma basketball team. But if you do come out on the winning end tonight, that is huge for your tournament hopes.
7: It would be massive. Biggest win of the year. But uh, me thinks they're probably going to be sitting at 14-14 and 14 overall after tonight's game, unfortunately. All right, more of your text on the other side. 405-651-3439 on the Air cover Solutions text line. Locked in. Rolls on next right here on The Ref. Chapel Supply, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. If you're looking for a new career, Chapel can supply you. Apply online today at chapelsupply.com. I really cannot believe there is a baseball game, a college baseball game, being played in Norman right now. As I look at my Weather Channel app, uh, 31 degrees, it feels like 21 degrees, yet OU Baseball has the uh, home opener against Wichita State. Uh, first pitch just got underway about seven minutes ago. Hey, there's, they are uh, better men than me out there. There is no way, no way I'm trying to play a baseball game today with these temperatures. No, no chance, dude. Ta- taking an inside fastball off the hands today would be enough to make me uh, just go ahead and quit the sport. No yeah, that's
1: uh, this makes me think back to those mid-March days up in Nebraska when it would be 20 degrees and windy and we'd be out there playing baseball. It's like that for about a month and a half. Man. Not not till you get to May does the weather really start to get nice up there on a regular basis. That's
7: why you see so many programs like what OU started the season in Arlington. They're going to go to Houston this weekend. Heck, OU softball started the season in California. Houston last weekend and then they're going to California again this weekend. That just kinda, that's just kind of That's the thing. way to do it. That is the that way is to do it. That is called scheduling, ladies yep. and gents. West Coast a couple times, down to Houston, though even in Houston this past weekend it wasn't like it was a uh, 75 degrees and sunny or anything like that. So Yeah, pretty brutal out there today. Uh, We'll keep tabs on what's going on at Eldale Mitchell Park between OU and Wichita State for the home opener. Uh, A reminder, Bob Stoops is going to join the Rush coming up next hour at 3.20, so be sure to tune in for that. Um, And speaking of Teddy and I's show on the Rush, we had a conversation in the final hour yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on it. You know, when you get a new coach or a new coaching staff, that normally means that there's one position group Above the others, that's going to get a bump. When Muleshoe became the head coach here, really the offensive coordinator, quarterback took a really big jump than what it was before. Yep. So what position group is that going to be with Brent Venables and this staff? He said corner, but I tend to think it's going to be defensive line just from the way that they've, they're already recruiting defensive linemen. But I think the development's going to be better. I think the offseason conditioning is going to be better linebacker could be the easy answer because of his history at that position, but I'm identifying defensive line as the position that I think is going to make the biggest jump under Brent Vittables compared to the previous era.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. I think it is going to be the defensive line, and I think that has a lot to do with the players that they're now able to be, or that they're now going to be able to recruit on the defensive line. They're going to have elite talent every single year coming in at the defensive line positions. And we're not talking fringe three four star guys. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with landing guys like Cavante Henry and R. Mason Thomas down the stretch here uh in the class of twenty twenty two. But as you look ahead to twenty twenty three and beyond Oklahoma is going to be reeling in high-end four-star and five-star talent on the defensive line with regularity. We were just talking about a guy in David Stone, Tyler, that is going to be very squarely in the conversation for that fifth star Yeah, by the end of the 2024 cycle. And so that is just one example of a guy that you can point to and say, okay, there's a very high likelihood that that dude's going to be a Sooner, and he's probably not going to be the only one. We're talking about David Hicks, too who, in my mind, could be the best prospect regardless of position in the 2023 cycle. And so, for me, I think it's more defensive line than anything else. I think you're going to see Oklahoma play elite defense at every single positional classification. You're going to see the cornerbacks take a step up. You're going to see better play from the safeties. And obviously, we know Brent Venable's reputation when it comes to developing linebackers. But... I think defensive line is poised to become one of the nation's most fearsome at the University of Oklahoma. I
7: I hope so. That's number one on my wish list. Um, You can hide some, and and I'm with you. I don't think that they're going to have a whole lot of deficiencies defensively with this new staff. But even if you do have some, you can mask those up pretty nicely when you have a dominant defensive line. When you can stop the run and consistently cave in the opposing offensive line and get to the quarterback, well, then you don't necessarily have to have an elite secondary to play college football defense at the highest level. Uh, another reason, too, man, it, it comes down to scheme for me. You know, I, I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot of scenarios next year where your best defensive linemen are standing on the sidelines during the most important defensive drives of the season. You know, I, I think that you're going to have more of an attacking style defensive line where. Guys are going head up one-on-one, not so much twisting and stunts and everything like that. I I think that not only will the talent be better, I think these defensive linemen will be put in much better situations to have success as well because we've heard what Perrion Winfrey said here recently, and I don't take everything, as he says, as the gospel, but I do definitely think that there's some truth that maybe the scheme didn't totally fit, maybe it wasn't the absolute best scheme for the personnel that OU had up front last year. And I think we saw that in in, in some games last year. There
1: were so many problems defensively for Oklahoma last year, and a lot of it had to do with the utilization of personnel and not just when they were in the game, but what they were doing when they were in the game. And that's something that, you know, we've heard Perrion Winfrey rehash it all. And we've heard, I mean, it's been a constant topic of conversation ever since the the season ended, and Oklahoma ended up on the outside looking in for their seventh consecutive Big 12 championship. There was a lot left on the table. There was a lot of meat left on the bone defensively for the Sooners in 2021. And I think the fortunate thing, and I think the solace to take in all of this, is that I don't think we're going to look back on Oklahoma in 2021, 10 years from now, and say, dang, oh, you really missed – a a once-in-a-generation opportunity there. I think a lot of people do and will feel that way about the team in 2017. Yeah. When there was nobody that was clearly head and shoulders above the rest in college football, and Oklahoma probably would have stomped Alabama if they'd beaten Georgia in the Rose Bowl and advanced in the national championship. But if you look at 2021, I think the easy thing to point to is say, okay, look at all the talent they had on defense and particularly in the front seven man, Oklahoma could have had a national championship team if they'd been able to put it together from a coaching perspective in the year 2021, which is true. But I also think that as good as this defense is poised to be in the next few years, I feel as though the reputation that Oklahoma is going to develop defensively under Brent Venables over the course of the next few seasons, uh, both Venables and his staff, I think that's going to alleviate a lot of the – bitterness and a lot of the frustration that has to do with the 2021 team and how that defense was managed. Yeah,
7: I I definitely look at it as a missed opportunity. I I don't think, even if the defensive line played at an elite level, I think that there were too many issues offensively for last year's team to win a national championship. But Michigan and Cincinnati made the playoff. It was definitely a missed opportunity to get there and really compete for a spot in the national championship game, potentially. One spot that I don't think is going to drop off, yet nationally there's probably a narrative out there that it is going to drop off, I just don't think the quarterback position is just going to fall off a cliff. Now, look, I'm not naive enough to think that the next Baker Mayfield or Kyla Murray is waiting in the wings and you're going to get that type of production. I I don't think that at all. But I think the quarterback position with this new staff is still going to be really good. And I still think OU is going to be able to get some really high level quarterback play via recruiting. Why? Well, Georgia is getting a lot of high level recruits right now at the quarterback position. And they're not looked at as an offensive juggernaut right now. And, in fact, that's the one position that people point to and say, well, that's the one thing that's been holding Georgia back in the past. Maybe they don't have the most quarterback-friendly system. OU will continue to have a quarterback-friendly system, and I think they're going to continue to put out high-level quarterback play. I'm not under the assumption that that's just going to massively change all of a sudden. I don't think that that's going to be the case. Well,
1: look at the fact that they have Nick Evers on campus right now and they've got Jackson Arnold waiting in the wings in the class of 2023 and one of the guys that's going to help build that class around him. Oklahoma's going to have elite quarterbacks. They're not going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and find a starter the way that they were in the post-Landry Jones era with the likes of Trevor Knight and Blake Bell. All right, they're going to have guys that are nationally regarded as prospects, guys that go to the Elite 11, guys that uh, prove on tape – and at camps in every setting that they're among the best signal callers in the country. So my point is, you're not going to need to strike gold with a generational walk-on like Baker Mayfield. You're not. You're going to be able to ha- essentially have your pick of the litter from the elite quarterbacks across the country, and you're going to have the opportunity to develop them and pair them with elite pass catchers and elite running backs.
7: Yeah, because th- Jeff Lebby has more notoriety out there on the recruiting trail than some might think. But I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I think kind of that name and what he is in offensive mind, it's going to be ramped up a year from now, two years from now. I mean, he, I think he really stands a chance. If OU's offense is really good next year and the year after, he really stands a chance to be labeled as one of the young, bright, hot offensive minds in college football. Have we given Jeff Lebby nearly enough credit? Because – that, that's the thing
1: is the guy has worked so fast in terms of recruiting that I'm not even sure people have had enough of a chance to appreciate what he's done. There was a thread at com the other day from uh, one of our VIPs that said, where is Jeff Lebby in all the Sooners recruiting efforts? I haven't heard his name thrown around a whole lot. And another one of our VIPs followed up and said, yeah, you know, all he's done since he's got to campus is signed Nick Evers, Jaden Gibson, and Jackson Arnold. Seriously,
7: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he got one of those players within, like, what, oh, less Hours. than a week? Less than a week of being on campus? Yeah. And Jackson, Ar- uh, Jackson Arnold, too. Like, he visited – he
1: was committed nine days later, I want to say. Yeah. So – he has moved very quickly, and he has proven very early on in the process to be an elite recruiting weapon for the series. Yeah,
7: the, the future stockpile of the quarterback position is already secured, and he hasn't even been at OU for, what, two months now. So uh-huh. that's 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 pretty good, man. I mean, you're not going to get three quarterbacks in a class or anything like that. I I bow down to what he's been doing on the recruiting trail.
1: And when recruiting battles are drawn out, like particularly like they were with Javante Barnes this past year, for instance— It gives fans more of an appreciation for a guy like DeMarco Murray when they hear every single week, yep, DeMarco Murray's doing a great job with this recruitment, he's closing in on a commitment, Oklahoma's in the catbird seat here, and it's primarily due to Murray's efforts. Jeff Levy hasn't given anybody that type of opportunity to give him the hype that he deserves just because it's like, well, they're offered, they visited, boom,
7: they're committed. Yeah in the span of like a week. Yeah. Uh, he maybe he's one of the more impressive recruiters on the staff if you don't even have to go through all the drama with the kid if he's just like, "Yeah, I'm 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 good." Yeah, I uh, I know Dylan Gabriel was at UCLA, but uh, it wasn't a big deal. I just went ahead and got him here. <laughs> it tends to happen. That's a good point. tends to happen pretty quick when uh, he gets in on a quarterback. It's pretty funny. All right, one final segment coming up next on Locked In. Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439.
5: More to come next.
7: All right, final segment of Locked In. Reminder: Bob Stoops joining us at three twenty on the Rush. Be sure to tune in for that. Uh, I just messing around on twenty four seven Sports during the break. There, twenty twenty three football recruiter rankings. Your boy Marcus Freeman's uh, ranked number one. So subject to change here this list, but Marcus Freeman ranked number one. Dennis Simmons,
8: boo,
7: ranked at number 10. Of course, wide receivers coach at USC. And the guy that we were just talking about, the uh, highest-rated recruiter on the staff right now, again, really early because there's not a whole lot of commits, Uh, Jeff Levy ranked at number 21 for OU. So, there's that. I will keep saying it. Y'all get ready for Marcus Freeman to do some big things at Notre
1: Dame. That dude was a slam-dunk home-run hire for Notre Dame.
7: Yeah, he um, he blew a big lead in the Fiesta Bowl, but that does not mean that he won't be a great head coach at Notre Dame. And I do think that you're going to see their recruiting numbers Definitely um, gonna be on the up and up compared to not that it was terrible in previous years, but they're gonna see a they're gonna see a bump in recruiting. And hey, you know what?
1: If blowing a big lead as a first time head coach is an indication that you're not cut out for the job, then oh boy, we're gonna have a lot of fun watching USC football. That next is year.
7: true. There are about five <laughs> or six blown leads, if not more than that, every single year. Um, what's, what's everyone back in your home state of Nebraska thinking right now? Is this, is this it for Scott Frost? Is this year, is this the final year that the excuses are going to happen and the offense is going to, you know, flutter around? I mean, is this, is this it? Look, I'm going to be honest. I thought it was the end
1: for Scott Frost in 2020. I thought it was the end for Scott Frost in 2021. If his name wasn't Scott Frost... He would have been fired by now. Yeah,
7: if his name was Mike Riley, he would have been fired a year or two ago. The
1: the fact that his name is Scott Frost and Mm. his name is synonymous with the great Nebraska football teams of old means that he has a lot more slack and a lot more leeway than anyone else in his position. So, I I struggle to believe that Nebraska is going to move on from Scott Frost even if the Huskers don't take a big leap this year. Which I don't think they're going to do, by the way. I really don't. I look at that roster. I look at that coaching staff. I look at how much turnover it has undergone, both with regard to the staff and player personnel. And I just can't make myself believe that Nebraska is going to be competitive in 2020.
7: Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement around Casey Thompson. But and Casey is. Thompson is, you know, he was a quarterback on a 5-7 and seven football team last year. And yeah, he had a great day against OU last year. But is he going to be consistent enough in the Big Ten for Nebraska to pull off seven or eight wins? And I'm with you. I just I, – I don't see it. But whatever their best shot is, OU will see it in Lincoln next year in week three. We you know, know this.
1: You know what is fantastic to me? You know what I always love to bring up because it's evergreen content? Joe Burrow was a lifelong Husker fan and wanted to play for Nebraska. And Scott Frost told him no in favor of Adrian
7: Martinez. Yeah, they told him no a couple of times, right? One out of high school and then uh, when he was looking to transfer out of Ohio State. And Nebraska fans and Nebraska media, because I've joked about this to a couple radio guys up there, they get really defensive about that. Oh, yeah, everyone always got to bring that up. But here was a situation. I'm like, no, the situation is Joe Burrow just led his team to the Super Bowl. He won a Heisman Trophy National Championship at LSU. Joe Burrow was so good that he made Ed Ogeron look smart, all right? So Joe Joe Burrow would have been good enough to make Scott Frost look smart in Lincoln, and you you guys passed him over because you didn't think he was good enough. So don't throw me the excuses out there. But, yeah, I I think Nebraska will struggle again this year, and you're right, though. Scott Frost is going to get every single opportunity to be a success at Nebraska because Nebraska has no idea where they want to go next after no. Scott Frost. They this have no, program have no is
1: as bad as it's ever been right now, though. They have not played in a bowl game since the Obama
7: administration. Gosh. It's not hard to get to a bowl game nowadays. No, oh, it's mm-hmm. really not. <laughs> Remind everyone. All you have to do is get to six wins. It's really not that difficult, especially when you're in the Big Ten West, which is... As up and down of a division as any other in college football right now. Not a, not a whole lot of household names there. All right, that'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans.